from the personal journal of Captain Hendrick. It is now day 432 since Yggdrasil fell and the world has plunged into darkness and things are looking grim. Every day is another demon attack. I lost several good men today fighting a horde of skeletons led by an archdemon. Morale is at an all-time low and it looks like we may have to start butchering horses just so we can survive. I don't know how we're going to get through this. If only I'd listened to that luminary. None of this would have happened. Now I... Hang on, what is that racket? Darling, Silvando and the Smile Parade is here to turn those frowns upside down. Oh my god, are you out of your damn mind? You're going to attract every demon in Erdria. Look, here's a horde of them coming right now. Oh, honey, no frowning. I've got this. How are you going to fight dressed like that? You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I'm seeing. He's facing those demons head on and is actually winning. That's our Silvando, as fabulous as a house cat, but also has claws. Meow. You go, Silvando! Go, man! You tell those demons who boss! Wow, you guys are amazing. Here I thought having a Mardi Gras parade after an apocalypse would be a terrible idea. Well, that was your first mistake. Yeah, never forget the one truth in this world. Nobody fucks with the Silvando. This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, which is your news show, Q&A Quest, which is your feedback show, and we are the Nostalgia Show. I am Kelly Ryan, and with me is my fellow Dragon Quest guru. Actually, I think even more of a guru than I am, uh, Matt Mason. Woohoo! We're doing Dragon Quest! Party, yes. party! Welcome to Slime uh, Time. Oh, I mean I- RPG Backtrack. I I may have said another show last week, just disregard that. We had to reschedule, but it's okay, because Dragon Quest. G- Give us an excuse to talk about Dragon Quest. Woohoo! It's the month to do so, too. Yes. A- um, with with me is David, who, Q&A Quest alumni, uh, also a fellow Dragon Quest fan. Yeah, no, broken in the brain for Dragon Quest for all time. Uh, glad to be here. <laughs> and Pascal Takaya, I don't know how huge of a dragon quest fan you are but i assume so since you did the review for 11 um i'm just here to be the silent protagonist on your podcast (laughs) (laughs) pascal this was your first dragon quest game wasn't it no um it was it it was and still is my second okay i remember proofreading your review and you and i that's the first time i ever encountered you i just joined the site and i was like oh proofreading i can jump on that and you and I messaged a couple times back and forth. You're like, hey, I haven't played much, but 
Does this happen often in Dragon Quest games? Because <laughs> I, I think you were trying to make like a generalization, and you were yeah. asking, like, does that sentence work? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that works. Um, That's it all. I do that all the time with other reviews. I'll, mm-hmm. um, I, I, if I end up covering something like I just did it. Oh yeah, right, Kelly, you were the one. I, um, you were my historical. Um, Disgaea. Uh, yeah. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a consultant. You were the historical consultant for dis- my Disgaea review the other day. Yep. <laughs> I do that with with Yakuza. I do that with everything. So yeah. Hey, hey it's good research. So my go-to your- move. If this was your Go second ahead. one, which Dragon Quest was your first? Well, I mean, of course, uh, Dragon Quest Eight. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. That's so, I mean, 11th basically eight too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just I, I say, of course, from like you know, being since since I'm definitely not um, a constant series uh, Dragon Quest player, then which ones would I have played? But eight and eleven, of course. Yeah, the, the uh, two kind of noob-friendly ones, but also the two best ones in the series because yeah. they and, do stuff different. And I would assume probably like the two that have maybe served as a jumping-on point for like a lot of, maybe even most people, compared oh, yeah. to the others. The two that came out in the field. middle of a mainstream console's development cycle. Yes. Very rare. And that looked pretty? Yeah. Oh, what cracked so me up pretty. is that um, 8 came free with the Final Fantasy twelve demo disc that a, pe- a lot of people wanted to play. And they're like, oh, hey, there's this great RPG that came with it by the same company, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> At the time, it was, I think it was like very recently the same company, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Maybe a year or two. It wasn't long. They merged right near the end of the uh, PS1 cycle or at the beginning of the PS2 cycle. Because I think like Dragon Warrior 7 was published here in the United States by Enix. And then uh, one of their last ones. Yeah. And Final Fantasy X may have still been Squaresoft. So this this would have been like of each of each series where the two were combined mm-hmm. I, I i don't quote me on this i don't have it i don't have the case to look at right now but you're you're within a year or two easily i'm sure yeah yeah and you know i would imagine that if you would have started with like nine you probably wouldn't be here right now be like no i don't <laughs> i don't want to play that trash what is this tra- trash that everybody plays um, i think i might have that on the I forget which new which Roman numerals I have. Uh, I have uh, one or I have one or two different titles on the um, DS that may be one of them. Yeah, nine was DS, and it was an attempt to be a multiplayer game that mm. just kind of felt short. Throwback. Yeah. If you'd like to hear my opinion why Dragon Quest Nine was not trash, please listen to our previous episode, RPG Backtrack episode two hundred one, Return of the Dragon. <laughs> The code of the Wait, no. See, I, th- I thought that you didn't. Or what am, I, mean, I must be mistaken. Of course, I think that's the first time you, me and you ever interacted, Matt. Uh, no, you weren't on this one. This 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 episode, I think, was all me, Phil, and Mike. Um, okay. We did Dragon Quest Seven together. And it was still oh, right. nine hours long. <laughs> I could have sworn that I was on seven. Yes, you were on seven, not nine. Okay, oh, but I thought that they did nine and eight together. We did eight and nine together. Yeah. Oh well, maybe you are. It doesn't. We didn't have names back then. Yeah. On the. Uh... <laughs> we had names. Yeah. Everybody had had uh, some sort of a code name that was um, eventually assigned to them by Phil. Oh, never mind, Kelly. You were on it. This that, that episode ran a brief four hours and forty eight minutes long. Right. Well, that's right. ridiculous. We... Um... There you go. <laughs> yeah. And we, we I, I, 
anymore. I'll take the L on that one because I had the like strategy guides and was like literally like flipping page by page and like, well, then you go here and then you do this and. Oh, so I so was that. I. That was that was the only way I could remember the story, frankly. Yeah. Um. It don't. I'm, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have called Nine trash. It, it's not a bad game. I just thought that it was a step back compared to Eight. That it was. It's not my preferred mode of Dragon Quest because I do like the. Uh, eight style, which I would kind of actually extrapolate back to some of the earlier ones, but yeah, my my main beef with nine is trying to shoehorn multiplayer in it, and because of it, there was really no characterization versus eight, where you had these amazing characters, and yeah, I mean it, it's also very much a throwback to three, which has basically no characters either. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of throwing back to three. Oh, That's what every Dragon Quest does. Eight throws back to three, too. <laughs> it's just nine did it more in the gameplay. Uh, oh. And supposedly 11 is a prequel to three. If you want to, it's, it's definitely so spoilers are... a three thing might happen, but it's also possible that it might just be very similar. Yeah, sorry, my bad. We spoiled I was going to say, we're not holding back any spoilers on this one, apparently, then. The biggest one is already out. Yeah, whatever. I mean, if I want the story rundown, there was already a Dragon Quest Eleven podcast, wasn't there? Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the crap out of this game. I'm sure that we will all talk about how much we enjoy the crap out of this game right after our brief little musical interlude where we're going to get into the main event. Stick around. RPG Backtrack, where we are breaking down Dragon Quest XI, released July 29th, 2017 in Japan, and then September 4th, 2018 worldwide. And the Switch version came out in 2019, around the same time, and then I don't even remember when the Xbox version came out. It was, I want to say November December last year? Yes. Oh, really? Last year. I didn't realize it had been that long. I thought it was like a few months ago. Oh, no. It's it's been almost a year at this point. Okay. Well, well, what is time if not a construct? But yeah, I will never forget being stopped by a train going to go get my driver's license renewed. So I pulled out my phone and was scrolling through Twitter and reading uh, Dragon Quest XI coming out worldwide next month. And I'm, like, practically just celebrating in my car like an idiot, and people are staring at me. And I'm just like, don't care, new Dragon Quest, yay! Because I was a little excited about this game finally coming out in the West after a year of hearing about it. And, yeah, don't know if you guys were just as excited as me. I, you uh, know... I knew I was waiting in the long haul for the yeah. Switch version, so it's like, well, that means that version's more likely to come over, so hooray! Um, yeah, because I, when they announced this originally, they said it was coming for the, uh, it was being developed also for the, what is it, 
the Nintendo, Nintendo NX. NX. Yep. Yeah. It did not have a name yet. By all impl- uh, indications, uh, it was like a like handshake promise they had made to Iwata before he died. Mm-hmm. And if, I'm if curious I'm... why is why did you decide to wait for that one? Because I don't have time to play this on a PS4. It's a hundred hours long. So just As the, the person uh, portability. Who's Persona Five twice. Portability is very important. <laughs> Now, for the record, the second time I was in mid-quarantine because of possible COVID exposure, so I had nothing okay. else. It's also fair that's enough. Also the fair reason, enough. That's the reason why he doesn't have time to play um, <laughs> Dragon Quest on the PlayStation. He's he's in his second full playthrough of uh, whatever you just said. Son of Five Royal. Yeah, they put that on Switch. I'll play it again. I'm stupid. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm the same way there. But man, talking about. Po- portable if i'm remembering correctly this came out on 3ds too and wasn't yeah. there cross save functionality i think there's cross save but uh, there is there's some very strange things that they did that they could only get away with because they were dragon quest for example selling a package that held a ps4 copy and a 3ds copy in the same box yeah that's unheard of that was uh that that was definitely something that <laughs> No one's ever seen, and probably will not again. Well, 3DS is dead, so it will not happen. (laughs) Okay, then point stands. You won't be seeing a Switch copy next to a PS5 copy of any future Dragon Quest for for comparison, I suppose. Probably not, no. And I, I mean, obviously it's an inferior version. I'm just wondering how it plays on 3DS because that's where the it's 2D a, slash 3D mechanic came from. It's a very different version. I, I've looked at it, and I, I think we all played at least a bit of it. I remember talking uh, to him about it, but I it's a very a different hours. looking version that looks sort of like what would happen if you took Dragon Quest IX's uh, art style and sort of upresed it a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe like Dragon Quest VII 3DS. Yeah, yeah. They're they're all yeah. in that same sort of like chivified, but not yep. completely. Uh, but like it, it's very recognized. Like if you've played the PS4 version or the Switch version or the any other version, you will absolutely recognize. Oh, this is the same game. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it, funny that it isn't just the um the 2D like sprite version that was re- eventually included with the S version. Oh hmm. no, no, it's a it's a whole third. They made this game three different times. They made uh, the PS4 version that, you know, is also on Switch and Xbox now. You've got the 3DS version, which is a completely different graphical style. And yeah, you've got the full 2D version on Switch. And I I guess everything now because the S version. version. If you don't have the original version, if you have the S version. Yep, you got the S version. I'll probably never play that. What a shame. It's Um, mostly a novelty. It's kind of fun to mess around with. But, I mean, there's a lot of joy in just the very pretty graphics that they made for the PS4 and I gave it 25 hours on the uh, 2D mode and had a lot of fun before. I was like, okay, I've played this game for 100 hours in this calendar year. Like... I mean, Whoa, um, yeah, so, when I when yeah, I got my copy, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Pascal. When I got my copy of the S version for Christmas, because I, I just put it on my Christmas list because it was one of those things that I I want a copy of it, but I don't necessarily want to pay my own money for it. So somebody can get it me for Christmas if they want. And <laughs> I I want to say I got through a couple of chapters of it with 2D, but then when I knew that Sylvando's introduction was coming up, it's like I actually want to see that in 3D because. I like the, the his cutscene when he's introduced in the voice voiceover, and that's you when mean I God. Went, yeah, 
And that's when I learned that you can't really like. I mean, you can switch back and forth, but you like lose any progress that you made. It, in they're the like chapter. chapters, but it's split mm-hmm. into. Yeah. Awesome. I was watching it, to prepare for this. I was watching a little bit of like YouTube footage of the game and um, the uh, the scene you're you're talking about his introduction when he's standing uh, like on that pillar outside the desert city. Uh, mm-hmm. They played that in the uh, the voiceover. Um, from the content creator said something like he was running through like each character as you encounter them. And he says, uh, and then you go to the desert city and as it like zooms in on Sylvander, he says, and you meet God. I mean, <laughs> the best character wow. in the game. I mean, my husband. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you do enough side quests. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I have yet to meet somebody that played this game that doesn't like Sylvando. I've seen them occasionally, but he's a very popular character. And yeah, are you uh, giving a Pascal an opening yet? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on a we're not on a visual medium. I was wondering, like, are you going to ask me if I'm raising my hand or anything like that? I mean, I, I don't know. Are you? No, like, no, I'm not. Um, we'll, we'll get into it more later. But I am not in the camp of I don't like Silvando. I just have a thought or two. I have a, I have a reservation or two. That's all. Yeah, they're they're probably very valid reservations because even when I was watching a couple of cutscenes, it's like. Uh, I don't know if this character has aged well or if he feels like a stereotype, but I still think he's cool. Wait, um, you don't know if he feels like a stereotype? No, he probably he probably <laughs> does. Um, <laughs> well, I very just, definite design decisions. Oh my god, I'd say that ten times tr- yeah. fast, but yeah. Okay, the question I was trying to ask myself was, should I feel bothered by this character? And as somebody who is bisexual and non-binary, she, he doesn't bother me, but I don't speak for the entire LGBT crowd. So that is that. Um, trying to un, unlodge foot from mouth. <laughs> well, as somebody <laughs> with hair that has never been longer than like three quarters of an inch for the past 25 years, the hero really fucking bothers me. So <laughs> <laughs> violence visited upon you. Yes, uh, yes. Ooh, man, I had to watch a cutscene with that hair blowing in the breeze the other day. No, no, no. Okay, you can put him in a helmet later. Oh, <laughs> I did. Oh, we'll we'll get to that. But getting back to the releases a little bit, I'll, I'll never forget when they released the Western version. People were like, "What about the 3DS?" And that was I'm me. Just there, oh, that was you. I, I definitely did because I was a hundred percent ready to buy the american package with both games in it and like sit there and play on my 3ds and ps4 and keep the story around the same area I, they were, they were willing do to do that in japan no no way sony of america or nintendo of america was going to go along with that in the u.s uh, yeah that and even then the ds was pretty much on its death throes i mean and, and dragon quest is a different animal in japan than it is here mm-hmm. yeah dragon quest is a religion over there <sighs> Um, not so, not so much over here, and but it should I mean, be. no, it should be. It very well should be. Should go door to door. Have you heard the good news about Dragon Quest? That's what the podcast. I mean, and, I'm gonna say if the Mennonites exist, why not the Dragon Quest tonight? No disrespect. I mean, I live in the I live in the Midwest, so that's a good way to get shot. But still, um, the Sylvanites. Ooh, Sylvanderites. Smile parade. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- think about it like this, Matt. Look at how long it took them to localize Dragon Quest Seven for the 3DS, which was oh, a launch God. title. Yeah, yeah. it's not a launch title, but it took a while. A launch window. 
I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we were uh, lucky to get that game. I, I remember there was a period of approximately, I believe, three years where it was just like something that was brought up on Q&A Quest. It's like, yeah, that'd be nice. It's not going to happen. And so, then when it did happen, we were all pleasantly surprised. And now those games go for a ridiculous amount of money because of how late they came out. Yeah, I uh, I never finished Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> and Wheels did. And yeah. Wheels did. Come on. Come on. Yeah, but he also like made it his life's goal for approximately two years. He did. He did. I remember listening to his Q&A quests, and he's like, oh, I thought I beat the game, but I hadn't. Yeah, that's kind of the story <laughs> of Dragon Quest VII's life. Exactly. I, I, I had to chuckle along at some points. So I was like, really? As it turns out, the game does not have a traditional plot structure, and it's hard to tell when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suffered through all 100 hours of that on the PS1, and that's 100 hours of my life I probably won't get back. Oh, oh, ow. Because <laughs> bear in mind on the PS1, that particular game didn't really have any hints on where to go. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no, it did not. <laughs> so that, that was a game FAQ living on that website for about two months. So if you were missing a piece in that game, you were screwed. Time to go looking down the list that people made to make sure I didn't do this. Yes. So aren't we glad that games like Dragon Quest XI have a definite quest log now so that you know where you need to go and what you need to do? And also worthwhile party chat and yeah. not structured in a way that requires you to find a piece of a piece of rock every time you go yeah. to the town. I suppose um, so, but I don't remember Dragon Quest XI as being particularly difficult to ever know where to go or what to do. Oh, that's the thing. Oh. It's like, that's the contrast here. Dragon Quest VII is like, oh, I missed a rock. Yeah, but, um, I, mean, but I mean, I wouldn't credit the um, the quest log for it. Like, it, it's just by design. Oh, yeah, I know where I'm going now. No problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I joked with I joked with Chris on the on RPG cast that it feels like 11 is the one where they finally got dragged into the modern era kicking and screaming because there's actually save points like in the world now, as yeah. opposed to the old game where you, oh, you can only save at a church. Find a priest, nerd. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I can actually save at an angel statue. What, what is the sorcery? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> they, actually, they, like... they brought stuff into this game that was, gosh, when you start doing crafting in the <laughs> S version and it's like, oh, hey, the S version you don't the original version look like a caveman in that sense. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way, you're missing these three things to craft it. You want to spend 800 gold and buy some? Sure. Yeah. Oh, like I don't the have to go search the whole world the ability for that? to yes. buy missing ingredients off of yep. the crafting list if you've ever been anywhere where they are sold, and it just saves so much time. So, See, I didn't get that far, or I must have missed out on that in the S version, but granted, I only played a little bit of it. But yeah, that sounds like a godsend unto itself. So good. It's so good. It's the reason I crafted all of the best equipment. So keep in mind that, again, I've not played any of these other Dragon Quests that you guys keep referring to. So to me, um, it is it's it's funny to hear you say like to hear you refer to Dragon Quest Eleven as being what what did you say dragged into the modern age? Yeah, because and, and this is this is a for me a plus point like in the game's favor. It is as to me as traditional a JRPG as you're as you're gonna find, and which so I which I really really like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like this modern age that it's being dragged into like every every other game apart from dragon quest has left that modern age like over over a decade ago probably already and now uh and you're referring to it as, as modernized it's funny to me I, I think that's kind of the thing that makes dragon quest and especially 11 so special though is that like it is comfortably if you're looking at it from a certain perspective like it has comfortably been modernized in a number of fashions but it is still very much a traditional game that most other companies don't make anymore yes yeah, I, and i love I mean, it for that and and i appreciate it for that too i just i want there are modern conveniences that once you get used to them, they're hard to go back to. It's the um, quality of life stuff, and which I would have oh, never yes. known, to be honest. Um, yeah. For example, I believe it also had autosave, which yep. just seems unheard of. And I'm, I'm playing Tales of Arise now, and that uh, being able to auto not only save anywhere, but have it autosave when you exit an area is just like chef, chef's kiss. I never want to go back to the same point ever again. And for the longest time, it seemed like the Dragon Quest series was just adamant about that you have to save it a priest thing. And I'm I'm sorry, but being able to continue my game shouldn't be shouldn't be a hassle. Don't let that be a chore, yeah. It shouldn't be the religion of Dragon Quest. No, no, it shouldn't. Da, 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 da. But, but yes, yeah, so like other mo- modern things that they brought into this game was um, mounts. You can actually yeah. ride stuff. And it's detrimental to some of the puzzles, or rather, um, part of some of the puzzles, which I appreciate. Now, was it only the S version where you got some experience when you uh, plowed like through crashing through things? Yep, I don't it might if that's been. new or not. I remember looking at like lists of things that they had added, and like the the S version, just generally, it's a lot of like nice little quality of life things, also helping fix the music in the English version. But uh, you know, it's. There's there's a lot of little things that I don't remember the full list because they're actually quite long. <laughs> See, Neo Seeker actually has a li- uh, list of differences. Neo Seeker, um, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. You've got Japanese and English voice acting, which is brilliant. Um, <laughs> you've got a shortcut menu, which is also excellent. The, the music, obviously. You've got um, a bunch of different draconian quest options, which I guess is stuff that you can turn on to make the battle harder yeah you turn that on at the beginning of the game to like make things more obnoxious oh <laughs> not like... just the battle it's, uh, yeah, it's, you it's can, like everything you can you can make townspeople lie to you sometimes for some reason yep. oh wow Dr- draconian was around in the in the original release I it think, was they maybe in a, in a different yeah. yeah i was gonna say like a, a less fleshed out version mm-hmm. yeah they, they uh, had what is it town town townsfolk tripe or something like that yeah and it's just like oh sometimes they'll lie to you yeah, or they'll or, just say stuff yeah. like oh, i'm the dragon lord did you come here to defeat me and then you'll yeah, like sometimes it'll have like a thing. doom sound and then it'll be like oh you didn't really believe me did you that's actually kind of funny yeah a oh, lot that. of them are just obnoxious because they'll be like you don't get as much experience or can't buy things from shops oh yeah but, can't buy for things for shops. Can't equip armor. Um, There's one that like gives you forced, like actually game over to you if your party wipes. I think. I, and I think that's an the S. That's such a weird one. That's one. never been in Dragon Quest. Why would you insert no. it now? <laughs> I think oh, there's one where you randomly miss battle turns due to flatulence. Oh, that's the. Uh, oh, you're embarrassed. So uh, yeah. Dragon Quest. Yep. This, this sounds like they pulled a bunch of stuff from Rogue Legacy. <laughs> Yeah, oh, same, same <laughs> yeah, gigantism and whatnot. 
it's just the way you guys are describing it, it sounded like it. it that's what it sounds like. The, just for I never being played. extremely strange. Yeah, I never played any of it with the draconian stuff. Oh, I didn't on, turn them on so. because yeah, I no, wanted no. to just play the video game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the S version has character interludes between Acts 1 and 2, which I, I hadn't gotten to that point, so I hadn't even seen any of the character interludes, but does it add a lot more um, a lot more backstory to the characters? Not really a lot. It's like... Uh, so one of them is literally you putting together the like, smile parade. Like, that's one of them. Uh, and I forget what the... Uh, I remember what the other one is. I'm trying to, like... It, it's like you're going through... Uh, uh, sorry, I was spacing on his name. You're going through like Rab's memory, and like they're they're kind of interesting. I kind of wish you had the option to pursue them at a time other than where they're inserted, because it, putting them there when you haven't already played the game means that there's like this big uh, there's this big gap at the uh, end of Act One cliffhanger that you kind of have to then play through these admittedly interesting bits of side content that like it feels like it would have been nice if the player just had the option to play them separate from where they are in the game. Uh, yeah, like if maybe they opened a side quest then, or yeah, like that side content, good. but you didn't have to do them right then. Yeah, because like then it's just like, for example, if, you, if it's your first time playing and you're like putting together the smile parade, it's like, huh, that makes, that would have, I feel like this would have made more sense if I already knew about the smile parade. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of Dragon Quest fans say that, like, yeah, it might not have been the best part. And some things get spoiled. I mean, yeah, I think I think they're really interesting if you have played the game before. But as a first time player, they're like kind of a they detract from the pacing. And, you know, I think this is something that's not just unique to Dragon Quest XI, because I was just uh, this summer playing Dragon Quest Monsters Joker 3 Professional. Yeah, that's a mouthful. <laughs> but um, I had a lot of people complaining about different aspects. There's a group of us because the fan translation just kind of got finished up hacked oh, together over the summer and people were complaining about a couple things like this is really overpowered and whatever. And I was like, well, you got to realize this came out like nine months after the original in <laughs> Japan. It was meant to be played by people who had already played the original. Like, Such a strange place to target these kinds of upgrades, like mm -hmm. for the yeah. people who already played it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was a little fast forward to the story. You could like it was like you want to go to the next boss because you could import your whole monster team from the like first game into the second. And compared to S's original release, where it's like it's not like you could bring any sort of a prior version save in. It's just like mm -hmm. what you get is what you get. So I think, you know, well, we had here a year between releases. Japan had two years. So, again, I mean, I know they think of the Western audience a little bit, but like this feels like this was made for the Japanese people and it was put there at that point. Yeah. But, yeah, it was like, hey, remember two years ago when you played this on your PS4 and your 3DS? Now get the Switch version plus more. <laughs> I mean, I normally don't get annoyed when they release a better version of a game because, the, I mean, the, to me, that's just part of gaming. You know, they, they're always going to release a better version. But I will admit, I was kind of peeved when they released this one so close, with the S version so close after when the PS4 version came out because I would have waited. I was just glad I didn't end up having to wait two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd already waited. I couldn't take more. I don't know which one irritated me more, the this or the Persona 5 Royal. Uh, <laughs> Royal was upgrade. a little bit, was it two years, three years? 
Uh, in Japan, it was like a three-year thing. Cause I think it's like 2016 to 2019. Uh, yeah, and just like just the same thing as with Dragon Quest. Um, I think I got Persona Five after Royal came out because like, the original got, was suddenly very cheap. That, yes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I got Persona Five, <laughs> not Royal. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so I would I would actually consider um, playing through Dragon Quest Eleven again at some point uh, because there is so there's uh, we'll probably talk about it later, but there's uh, the whole like post post game act I did not get uh, into very much. And it's been several years now where I would, and, and I enjoyed it so much that I would re, uh, replay the 80 hours it takes to even get to the credits the first time. Um, so it would be great if I could do so with the S version and get that extra content and get the 2D mode. But um, yeah, so I have the original PS4 version, which means I would have to repurchase. So not so cool. It's probably relatively uh, cheap if you go looking at least. Yeah, this is not an out of print, hard to find kind of thing. Yeah. Um... I was looking at it. It's, the cart versions, anyway, has gotten pretty cheap. Um, and and you'll appreciate that if you do get to the yes version, there is a super battle speed so that you can go through oh, battles yeah, fairly quickly, nice. which I think should just be in all games, period. <laughs> um, I spent so much of the game doing that. It's the only way I could finish it in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am amused that in this list of things, one of the things that it says is that the Crossbow Kid minigame is removed, and people were happy about that. <laughs> I don't even remember the Crossbow Kid minigame. Because See, it was so, not very interesting. <laughs> you you just, you looked everywhere. You, you walked into a new area and was like, hey, there's five targets around here. Do you want to go find them? Walk from point A to B, or do you want to you know, stop every five steps and rotate 360 degrees while tilting upward and downward and looking behind every tree. Yeah, <laughs> if you like playing not. Where's Waldo in your 3D gaming experiences, then get the original. That minigame was not, not so fun, much. and it would have worked even worse in the reduced draw distance of the Version. Oh yeah, you're right. That's I mean, the big reason why. Yep. I mean, I'm kind of doing something like that in Tales of Arise right now, where I'm hunting down owls to get costume pieces. But you also have an owl that like starts hooting when there's an, an owl, owl radar. Nearby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need to grab a ride. It's so good. So I hear. But uh, yeah, and then I, there are also golden reins for the horse mini game, which I guess is important because it was horse hard. Minigame, yeah. <laughs> Horsing around. You can tell I didn't do very many mini games when I played this, except for. Did they one. add another like rank of horse racing to us, or am I? I missed? believe they did. Which yeah. it, an interesting thing about this one. This kind of took me out of my 2D experience in my 25 hours of playing it in 2D. You know, the one thing that uh, in the first 25 hours doesn't have a 2D equivalent. Horse. Horse <laughs> racing. <laughs> yeah, that would be a very. Like the mechanics of that mini game wouldn't translate at all. At all, they'd have had to just make a different mini game. It, it, it would Which, basically look like Excite Bike or something from, yes. from eight eight bit NES days. Oh, Pascal, yeah. were you in the discussion? I swear, it's a different Discord, but that's exactly the one <laughs> no. I brought up one time. That I, just in the past week, I've mentioned that. Like, you'd have to have like an Excite Bike. That's what it could be like. Why not give it to the intern? <laughs> Some intern could have made Excite Bike horse. <laughs> Excite horse. Excite horse. Have Sugiyama do a, a full orchestrated version of do 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 do. The implication that Sugiyama would actually do anything instead of just pulling mm. some horse theme from another game <laughs> is quite humorous. Yeah, yeah, you're lot. probably we, right. We're not going to talk about him a bunch, are we? 
No, I, 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 I think I bitched enough about racist grandpa and the last time we talked about Dragon Quest, so... It could be known that we think he sucks. <laughs> um, no, let's we'll get try not to go four hours and 49 minutes tonight. Like, yeah, do you, do you have a moment for me to talk about how much racist grandpa irritates me? No, we won't get into that. I want to get into the story because, I mean, it's kind of a basic hero's journey story, but I think they did a really good yes. job of making it interesting, oh, yeah. especially with that time skip. And oh, here's where the spoilers come in, by the way. Not that we didn't spoil stuff in the intro. Mm-hmm. To be fair, what we spoiled was not that important. No, yeah. I mean, my God, a Dragon Quest game calling back to another Dragon Quest game. That's like Especially saying... Especially three? It's like, <laughs> no. that's like being surprised that Ganon is in a Zelda game. Who? Uh, <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, no, it's 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 a pretty basic story. I've been... um <laughs> While you guys are chatting about stuff that I know nothing about, I've been kind of like skimming, <laughs> skimming back through uh, my review, just a l- couple of bits and pieces of it, and... <laughs> And I've just concluded reading the, uh, my three-paragraph discussion of how the story is basically um, that can be summed up in one sentence, more or less. Yeah, it's so <laughs> but, fun. But here, let me out. write three paragraphs. You got to be clear. You got to be <laughs> got to be expansive when you write about this stuff. I can't believe we forgot to mention that there's a Stadia version of this game. I'll what? cut that out of the recording. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> It's not to be to be fair. It's not the Dragon Quest Stadia version that's forgettable. It's Stadia itself that we just kind yeah. of forget about. Listen, every time Square puts something on the Stadia, it's incredibly funny. Like that FF15 <laughs> one where they had to put in like some new content. It's the most broken. Like we made this in seven oh. minutes content imaginable. <laughs> and they couldn't make horse excite excite horse. <laughs> you will not. They no one was willing to pay for excite horse. UG horsey. Wow. Oh. Well. <laughs> Look, horse is not that easy to do a pun with. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to do a pun. I'm explicitly asking you not to. <laughs> All right, but guys, let's stop horsing late. around. Well, get out. So, plot, yay or nay? Yeah, talk about it. I was just getting that extra horse pun in. Oh. I was just <laughs> I wishing it. for your death. I missed it. Nay. Nay. Okay, let's do this. All right, so how does it open, David? Uh, have you ever considered being a boy in a village? You know, just a normal what? boy in a village. Everything's normal. You're an RPG protagonist. Mm. And you're silent. Yeah, completely. Also, there might have at some point been a kingdom that was ransacked some number of years ago, but that's unrelated. Maybe you're a long-last heir of this kingdom? Uh, what kind of what kind of bullshit are you trying to peddle to me right now, sir? I mean, if, if you're not going to go the whole um, amnesia route, you got to, like, you gotta, take... You, you got to go back so even young farther. that it doesn't count as amnesia. You're just a baby. Exactly. Exactly. But then you come of age because you're an adult now. That's how you start stories. <laughs> I mean, RPGs never deal with little kids, so, of course. That'd be silly. Yeah. How did you guys record the, the discussion from the writer's table? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you manage this? It's uncanny. You, you're taking me there. Yeah, it was our horse puns. We, we got the attention of some writers. Well, you got my attention out of the gate? No. <laughs> Okay, rain it in, everybody. Rain it in. You are making Indeed. this worse. Okay, Just so you by, go to prison. You meet like a finish. thief who's your best friend now, and then. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just, I can't. I gotta move us on from the horses. Okay, okay. Um, I will He's say jockeying right here, us along. 
I will say right here, I think this particular Dragon Quest is the fastest you've ever gone time to slime in a Dragon in Dragon Quest history. Like the first minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The opening when you actually get control. Um, what is it? You and your childhood best friend is like, hey, go up very well remembered up. childhood best friend. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's like a major part of the game. You see her like four, <laughs> she, five times. She, she doesn't yeah, just no. disappear the second you leave the opening town. That'd be silly. But, but yeah, I mean, you sh- I'm so used to in a Dragon Quest game it being like hours before you get to your first slime, and this one is like, oh hey, there it is, go kill it. Like yay! I want the reverse of Dragon Quest Seven. Yeah, really. <laughs> so yeah, you um, go up to the top of this like huge spire to go festival. basically. Uh, the, yeah. the tour. Yeah, the tour. Yes. To become an adult, and then you go back down, and that's when you discover that you're the luminary, and your mom sends you to this kingdom to go say that you're the luminary. And then the king, who, by the way, was the king that basically caused the ransacking of the kingdom in the opening cutscene, throws you in jail. And then you meet Eric in jail, and who's a thief, and he busts you out. And then that's when you go on your grand adv- grand adventure. I do Everyone like how needs it's a best friend character. <laughs> I like how it switches from cliche number one, you're the the village boy who's destined to save the world, to cliche number two, start the RPG off thrown in the dungeon of the of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every game ever, every RPG ever has started with one of those, but only Dragon Quest Eleven. Daring to both. Well, not only that, you got the cliche of essentially being Moses because that because they oh, find yeah. you among the reeds. Oh yeah, you're in like a little wicker basket floating down the stream. Oh yeah, it's, it's, but you're basically watching the opening of Willow. <laughs> we could go on and on about what this could be, but yeah, like, yeah. like as as easy it is as it is to say that these are cliches, and as fun as it is, they, the game executes on all of them quite well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, and I cliches for- are cliches because done right they're very they're very good although you know what people in um even before any of that before the kingdom is ransacked there's so like the very first um i guess cg scene is of a little um i don't know what to call it a creature like i don't think so not being a dragon quest person um it, I don't think it's clear at this point what that is. I'm not oh, sure if that's, that's something right. from another game. The tackle. Oh, uh, yeah, those are new. <laughs> so it's this little mm-hmm. creature walking through, walking into a town, and then, and so I just rewatched this scene, which is the only reason I remember it so vividly. But man, like the, um, as the townspeople like fill in and the music starts playing, and oh, it's it's just it's it's amazing. It's great. It's like it's what a what a opening scene. It's immediately a world you want to run around in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what is with those creatures? Because I was told that they only explained them in the S version. Mm, well, I don't, I don't know if there's more explanation, explain. but they, <laughs> they do become um, like toward toward the end of the second act, toward of like nearing, I think, the credits of the actual main game. There is they do come back and come more into focus. Yeah, and the in the post game act three, the they uh, has a lot of them. It's got okay. them. Yeah, you don't have to, and it, it it's even in the re- original. I mean, yeah. that's the whole how you go. Okay, Th- that's how you why. time travel. Yeah, but they're but in between in the seventy hours in between, they're never <laughs> never mentioned or no. I think you I think you do they're, see you him see like, like occasionally, right? Yeah, yeah. Juncture. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're usually around where, like, treasure chests are out in the wild. Mm-hmm. If you but, see one, either there's a glittering area, an item area nearby, or a treasure chest nearby. So what to me about that is kind of cool um, is that you always, know, like, so, you know, when you're playing it, you remember, oh, there was one of those at the very beginning. And occasionally you'll catch a glimpse of one. But it isn't explained for the longest time. It has nothing to do with anything in the story. None of the characters ever encounter them. But you, always, as a player, you always know. Oh, there's there's something else. Like I'm I'm just waiting for the reveal. Like it's going to come eventually. And then sixty hours goes by, seventy hours goes by, and you just know there's still something coming. You know, I kind of like that. Yeah, it takes so long that there does start to become a point creeping in your mind where it's like, are they just not going to extrapolate on these? But, but then they do. Yep. So I'm pretty much what happens after you bust out of jail is it's kind of like a normal Dragon Quest game where you go town to town, you mm-hmm. solve a town's problem, you end up with a new party member. I was going to say, and you're, all the while you're being chased because now your uh, Illuminary is seen to be a harbinger of dark times. It's very much right. like the like the the... the... <laughs> The explanation offered for why they're attacking the Luminary is like, well, Luminaries only come when bad things are happening, so Luminaries must cause bad things. Yes, yeah. You, you get the uh, the cause and effect differently. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a take on that. There's There can be no no shadow without light kind of a thing. So your, your, appearance, your appearance now puts everything else into jeopardy because there will be something bad coming coming with you. Or so clearly, if we kill you, the bad thing won't come. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much. But, yeah. And, and the characters you pick up on the way are, are kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, they're um, all fun. We, we've uh, talked at length about Silvando, who you pick up in the horse town, who is a circus performer, and he's he's a little bit kind of foppish, but he's also pretty cool. Mm. And before you get the- him, though, before you get him. Now, Pascal wants to talk about the opening CGI. If when you turn the game on, before you even start the game, oh, the yes. opening CGI, you've got um, a little scene in the woods and you see like Veronica. these twin girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those are the first uh, after Eric. Those are the first characters you meet, but not looking exactly like they did in the opening movie for Veronica. This uh Red-haired, you know, teen, early twenties girl. Looks like a. Oh well, she's dressed in red. Sorry. She... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her. That's her color scheme. But um, she shows up. It's like this little like eight-year-old, and she's like arguing at a bar. Like I'm old enough to be here. Let me in. <laughs> yep. And turns out it... she has had yeah. some magical stuff done to her and uh, de-aged her. That is always the funniest thing to me, is that there is neither a way to fix that, nor is there any particular desire from anyone involved to fix it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the issue kind of fixes itself in post-game, but we'll get into or not in post-game, in Act 2, but we'll get into that. Well, well, then it unfixes of... itself in post-game. <laughs> it's kind of a weird scene to put to put like right at the beginning of the game, because I don't I think it actually takes place before the story because they're both. Oh, um, yeah. So Veronica's yeah. still in her. And it's never um, like this is never encountered like during actual game time. Um, nope. at the, when you're first turning the game on, you don't know who the two of them are. By the time you meet them, one of them looks different and you probably won't remember either one of them because the scene doesn't really have much of a point. It's just I think it's just the two of them like looking at each other for a second. Well, it's kind of weird, I think. It- it definitely is. It feels like somebody was given some pre-early art and been like, make the intro. 
I gotta make those intros early anyway. <laughs> and then, and the mandatory for, for an RPG arena town is where you meet Rab and Jade. Mm-hmm. Um, We're Jade both is great, the, yeah, they Jade are. is yes. a martial yes. t- typical martial artist, and Rab is your typical old man, Lecherous. who is also a martial artist. They thankfully yes. l- played down his lecherousness compared to some of well, the other lecherous yeah. old men in the Toriyama canon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he, he gets a couple there. scenes, but it's not a... It's not like the... the something that's like, happening all the time. Raison d'etre for his character. Yeah, Correct. I mean, he, he does have a pretty humorous scene with the nudie magazine at some point. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just have one of those. That's more normal than being Master Roshi. <laughs> I mean, that's why when you said earlier you get to go into uh, into Rab's memories, that was that kind of concerned me for just a second there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's actually mostly him. Because, like, spoilers, he turns out to be related to the Luminary, and it's actually mostly him reminiscing on, like, their parents and such. Mm-hmm. Oh, He's the and Luminary's also, grandfather. Yeah. And, uh, also, spoilers, Jade is the little girl that's carrying you as a baby in the opening scene and drops you. Mm-hmm. She's the one who puts you in the basket. Yeah. Just like the lotion. <laughs> <laughs> that's not creepy at all. Um, that's one of so Rav's memories. Oh, so God, no. You get <laughs> the party together, and then is at this point, is what is it when the orbs come into play? Uh, the orbs um, start coming into play when you first meet Eric, mm-hmm. because oh, okay. after he busts you out of prison, um, even though he says he'll, you know, he, he'll accompany you on like what you're doing, uh, but also he needs you to come with him because he he had this orb uh, and a former associate of his has it and they want to get it back but then when they go visit this other this other guy in town um in heliodor um he doesn't have the orb anymore and it turns into like the first like quest i guess of the game that you have to go into mm-hmm. this dungeon to go st- but at the well at the time you don't know what it is you just know it's it's an orb that eric says is his and he wants it back and just not till later that you figure out about what they are you get the sense that eric's been in jail for a while because his associates like yeah you find his associate like living in the rich part of town and married and like this great trader and eric's like what the heck happened like we were little thugs together and he's like oh well you remember that orb you wanted me to hold on to i sold it well, i sold it buddy yeah <laughs> I'm living I, the good life now. Yeah. I generally find Eric to be, um, I think, like almost the least interesting character, uh, well, like um, party member, even though he does have uh, an, uh, a neat like side story much, much, much later in the second act. Mm-hmm. Um, I like so, the second act story quite a bit. Yeah, for most his, of the game, he's kind of just like right. your, hey, yeah, you're right, Luminary. <laughs> it's. I think the trouble is, I just, I, I generally kind of think that the, um, the thief side character is, is, is often like to me the less interesting one, and then. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure we're going to well, we've already talked about like how Veronica has been de-aged and well, they have a whole, she, especially Veronica herself, but the, the two sisters, they have a whole dramatic side story. And Silvando has a very like he's got maybe the best character side story. Um, yes. Agreed. Not, uh, so I, I like Eric's second act stuff when, when he when they expand on his character. But since he's around from the very beginning. He he just spends to me just like large chunks of time of the game with not much going on that's interesting at all, <laughs> which is reflected perfectly in the game in Act Two when he's just this mute guy that's along along with you for a while. So yeah, once you get all of the orbs, you eventually make it to the Yggdrasil World Tree, 
uh, to get the sort of light. And then all of a sudden things kind of go to shit because they are intercepted by Jasper and Hendrick. And um, one of the other guards, Carmelian, was possessed by an evil sorcerer. And that Jasper is the sorcerer's agent named Mord- Mordigan. Mm-hmm. And um, Mordigan takes the sword of light and absorbs it and destroys the tree. And you pretty much get kind of knocked off the world tree and you wake up and you're a fish yeah, and you you're back into, into a fish for protection for <laughs> yeah. a little while yeah back into the mermaid kingdom some kind of, suddenly it's kingdom hearts yeah oh, i love it oh, no. fun oh god no I'm, but i mean don't talk get about the, like don't, don't get the song in my head so, what, a, what a weird like left turn you, you wake up and you're a fish <laughs> yeah because life's right better down where it's wetter uh-huh <laughs> Where, under Matt, the sea? I hate you. Take it from uh, me. You mean I under do, the sea? I'm, under I'm the sea. You appreciate. Darling, it's so much sweeter. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know how the song goes, sorry. What are you going to rhyme with sweeter? Come on. I don't nothing. <laughs> when I die and go to hell, it's going to be that song from Kingdom Hearts in a loop for the, for the rest of eternity. Swim this way. But yeah, it, Regardless, that fish is the cutest little freaking fish that I have ever seen in a video game. I do appreciate that by this point you have had one story involving a mermaid, so it's like, well, there were mermaids before, it's okay that this happened, but... Yeah. So you pretty much unfish yourself, and then it's like the second half of Final Fantasy VI, where you have to go find your friends again, and there's a dark world. And one of the first... The world's just, like, half-destroyed. Yeah, like, it, it mentions like half the population has died, and but you know, don't worry, you got Hendrick in your party now. <laughs> yeah, you run into him first, and he's like, uh, "Sorry, oh, man, I, I really boned it now." Oh. Yes, sorry, he, I, he was uh, someone who had been you. following you for uh, to catch you because yeah, he, he was a uh, chief. Like, uh, I'm going to defeat and destroy the luminary because I follow my king, who's very, very obviously evil right now. <laughs> yep. I mean, I didn't yeah. see this coming when when he joined. That that surprised me. It's mostly surprising because he just chose to like, oh man, fair play, I did screw this up. <laughs> I should try to fix this. <laughs> and he, you find him like in your hometown, like holding out with your hometown folks. Yeah, they're all still alive for some reason. <laughs> so he's he's underwent a little bit of a character arc, yeah. and he still has more to undergo. It's still cool that he joins you because he's a pretty good car- uh, fighter. Yeah, he, he's you know, he's he's a very strong character. I just I think it's very funny that it's just like who's the first one you're gonna get in your party? Well, it's not anyone you had before. It's the guy who kept trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, and I cannot remember for the life of me the order that you get everybody back. It's mm. is it reverse kind of? It's not totally reverse, but you know, Veronica is the last one you encounter. Um, the only uh, one yeah, I remember is when you get Silvando back because you there you, you know that scene the scene just it will be burned forever in your memory if you play this game if you remember nothing else you will remember the day you get Silvando back. Yes, I mean that that was basically the joke I made in the skit is that you know you've the world destroyed you, is destroyed you've got this post-apocalyptic landscape. And a Mardi Gras parade happens, and it's the corniest thing you'll ever see in your life. But yet that scene is so freaking funny because (laughs) he shows up when just a random dude is getting attacked by one of those people in a cat suit. I can't remember what those enemies are called. Uh, It's either a were tiger or one of the recolorations. Yeah. 
to a were tiger and Silvando shows up with his little smile parade. They're all dressed like peacocks and chases off the were tiger and the entire smile brigade's like, yes, Silvando, you're awesome. And then Silvando recognizes the luminary and just pretty much like passes out from happiness. He's so happy to see you. And then you end up and he, you, how am I trying to say this? You don't go, no, no, he doesn't go with you. You go with him in the parade because he makes <laughs> oh, yes. dress up in the parade. And you have to dress, dress up. up. And you dance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you you dance. Dance. dances anytime he's got that outfit on. And it's, so yeah. I, I kept that outfit on my luminary for quite some time just because it was so funny. Because he even does the little dance in the uh, fight. So what I think is kind of neat about that um, is... That you said how it was what two years you said or I, I mean I personally don't remember like a, is there a two year time differential between I had a hard time nailing what the time difference was because some well, people were saying it was a couple yeah. of months and I I thought it was like a year so whatever it is it doesn't really matter like whatever the time is that, that has elapsed since since the world was half destroyed it's it's kind of interesting to think about wow Silvando has like he's reached some some level of like. Hmm. Like widespread, like not just acceptance, but like people are 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 actively dropping everything they're doing. They're flocking to what to what he to him, and they're joining. It's not a cause. I don't you know. I don't know what what it is that he's doing. I guess it is a cause. Like he's traveling the For land. Movement, I suppose. Yeah, and 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 getting dressed undressed and and dressed in peacock feathers uh, along the way. Like man, it's interesting. <laughs> It's like if World War Three would have broken out in like '95, and suddenly by '97 everybody's following like Jim Carrey around the world, just trying to make the world a better place. I mean, I for well, I was I, looking I, some of the sub yeah. people were like, "Man, we needed Silvando right now for COVID." Um, I don't I think like, it's yeah. social distancing Silvando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't do. It. I don't think. You know, I don't think they're just like trying to make the world a better place. I think there's more to it than that. Like, I think they definitely have like sh- uh, more than just shared like values. Mm. You know, shared affection. But yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, it's it, um, just it has nothing to do with the, with the gameplay or the plot. Just like on a mm. like kind of like a I guess social commentary. The fact that it's in there in in the first place is well. It. Pretty- I mean, there's a big payoff then with Silvando's father. Yes. In the second oh, act, yes, because in so the first great. act, you go to you go to what, Porto Valor, and this is where Silvando talks about having a boat, and you go there, and you walk into the town. It's the first town that has a casino, but it talks about like the mayor of the town or the person who's in charge of the town. He he's not around. And also, when you go into that town at first, Silvando like begs off and disappears. Um, but it's not explained at all in Act One. It's just. Just something that happens. You go in the town, you do what you need to do around there, you get your boat, you take off around the world. But in Act 2, when you go back, you find that Silvando's father's there, and he's the mayor, ruler, whatever of this town, and he's also, like, one of the most famous knights who trains other knights in the world. And Hendrik is trained under him, I believe, and you find out that Silvando spent his early life training to be a knight. Just decided it wasn't for him. Yep. Well, I mean, we haven't mentioned, like, the thing about Silvando. You called him foppish earlier. But, I mean, like, beyond that, he's, you know, he's, I I don't want to say openly because I don't think it's ever, like, expressly stated. Oh, it's never expressly stated. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, you know, I don't think I'm I'm reaching if I say he's, he's clearly a gay character. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. So not, okay. he's got his uh, he's got his man Dave spelled exactly like Dave, but you hear it pronounced all the time as Dave, and he's Dave is just a recolor of an NPC that's been in like all the Dragon Quest games, the ones with the uh, the horned mask on, usually running the armor shop. But Dave is wearing all pink, and he's controlling Silvando's ship. Yeah, it's uh, it's, I... it's definitely not an accident. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's so a lot of a... yeah. There's there's a lot of like Japanese imagery around, like sort of generally amalgamated queer Japanese imagery in Silvando as well. Yeah. Yeah, and not I mean, always. The... It's not always done. It's not always tasteful. Mm, I feel like they're yeah. trying. Whether they're succeeding is more of a matter for debate. I saw somebody. <laughs> I saw somebody online classify it as. Uh, clumsy but not malicious, you know, or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, they're they're trying to do something that's like this is our attempt. Like this is the attempt it's, by yeah. a, a writer who is at least sixty years old to yeah, because write this I, kind of character. I mean, everything points to you're you're meant to not only like him as a character, but you're meant to empathize with him. You know, as as evidenced by his his story is the most personal and like mm. just just miles just different from everybody yeah everybody has like your rpg story your rpg side story but his is just this is a very real sort of yeah, story. life right and, and the whole aspect of him and his father it's almost like if this was a coming out story oh definitely mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's heavily right. but, uh, that but they the frame it as no dad for. it's not like no dad i don't like girls it's no dad i don't want to be a knight <laughs> So yeah, it's but it's really I, I satisfying, gotta... like watching that and um, like seeing the two him and his father, like I guess come to terms with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dad realizes well he's saving the world. You know, he's setting out with the luminary and he's setting. He's got his parade of people, and but this is how he is saving the world. Yeah, he doesn't have <laughs> to be wearing armor and march into battle on a war horse or something. And and I do. <laughs> It's it's weird because, I mean, I feel like the thing – so, okay, so to me, the thing that's bothering the, the father is I feel like it's not the fact that he doesn't want to be a knight, right? Like, it, I think it's – I think it's the sexuality <laughs> like that. But that's just the way, you know, in my, my interpretation of it. But I actually kind of like that the game doesn't make it um, explicitly about that, but rather about him being a knight because it – it does give him a little bit more dimension. It it keeps it from from going totally overboard with just you know he uh yep he's gay and now he's a one dimensional gay character like that's all he's yeah. about. He's this. So they they just stay, steer slightly clear of making him you know just that 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 one note character. Yeah, they take <laughs> the obvious path and make it like just just sidestep it a little. Let's I mean, take. I I appreciate. Sorry, I I appreciate the fact that they never kept come out and say it. Because then if they did, I would worry that people would just think that he was trying to be, they they were trying to essentially be a stereotype and a a character. And I think he's a much better character than that. Yes, definitely. And I I can see a lot of people being that, no, this is bad representation. And I'm always of the camp that any representation is better than nothing. (laughs) But a lot of, uh, a lot of people I know would find that not not good enough, but I, I'm okay with it. But I, I'm once again, I am one person, so I don't. Savanto is a big discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, that being said, they they made the gay character the most lovable character, arguably in the entire series. Yeah, I I so. would still, I would still call him um, a stereotype. It just 
not in not in what they reference about him, just in his like portrayal and personification. To me, he well, at least or what I'll say is he's well. They couldn't make him more flamboyant. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's what it is. So mm-hmm. he's maybe he's not completely a stereotype, but to me, he's still too stereotypical. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. No, um, I understand. And so, mm-hmm. like, like my best. So it's to the point where, like, my best friend, he's gay, and this he he likes RPGs. Um, I've specifically like kind of debated with myself: Do I want to recommend this game to him? Because I feel like, see, I don't know how he would react to Silfondo. Like, it's a little, it's it's a lot, not a little, yeah. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's and so earlier when I was uh, hinting at, uh, you know, I'm. I'm not like Silvando's biggest fan. Uh, it's mainly like due to these reasons. I to he to me comes still comes across as a little too um, stereotypical. Like his the the scene where he's first introduced, we we referenced it earlier, and like he it, right off the bat, like super flamboyant. There's there's just no no room for uh, false interpretation of like what's going on with this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And and I as, as likable as his personality is. I almost felt like uh, they're like they're trying to uh, shove a character down my throat by making me um, by making me forcibly like him. They're I, um, trying too hard to make him likable. Is the point you're trying? Yeah, to make yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm struggling on how to say it, and I think what it is is um you know he's kind of become the fan favorite, but I felt like that's. They set him up to be that. Like they, they wanted to create the fan favorite when they when they made him, and I feel like they it, it, well, they, they made sure too hard. in the first minute that you meet him that you know that he's going to be your favorite. <clears throat> yeah, like, uh, that, that it can feel cloying that. when you can tell that someone engineered that's, that. That's what it is. Yes. I'm glad you guys are are, are are putting what I'm thinking into words. That's what <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to, to keep talking over you. No, absolutely. I, I couldn't get it. So, yeah, you got it. All right. Well, let's move the plot along. I think we've talked Silvando yeah. enough, and we don't want to make this four hours of uh, welcome it's... to our Silvando TED Talk. <laughs> um, right, if any so character we were... needed it, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> no, very true. So, yeah. yeah, we're going through Act 2. You're basically kind of retracing your steps a lot of way through the world, seeing how everything's been broken throughout the world. You're putting your party back together. And eventually you get back to the base of the Yggdrasil tree and the town that Veronica and Serena are from. And you've got everybody back in your party except for Veronica. Mm-hmm. And I, and I yeah. don't remember if you meet Serena somewhere else beforehand. I think beforehand. you meet them separated yeah. very briefly. Well, you, you do meet them separated. Yeah. Because you, you're like, okay, well, I've got everybody back. The party gang's all back together. Um, you went up on a mountain and found Rab living life as like a hermit that was about pencil thin. Mm-hmm. And then he has one big meal and puffs back up to his uh, <laughs> jolly old self. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Yep. Uh, that was a great thing that he's just like been living this hermit life and he's whittled down to nothing. And, but one good meal, he's back to jolly old Rab. Um, and, but you, you go, I think it's Arborea, if I'm not mistaken, at the bottom of the tree. And mm-hmm. there is a little like garden off to the side in the town and you see Veronica sitting there. Um, but it's her body. She's died. And you do get to talk to the ghost that explains it all, that it was her that saved the entire party. I believe she turned you into a 
the fish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that was her. She gave up her life to save everybody else, spread them around the world, and save the Luminary at the same time. And that uh, it it hits hard. Like Hendrick was one I accidentally saw while trying to make perler beads before the game came out. Because <laughs> knowing that there was the 2D mode in uh, the 3DS version, like there were little pixel art versions of them. And I was online looking at costumes and looking at that. And sure enough, there's Pixel Hendrick and like all him in a bunch of different outfits. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> if he's got different done. outfits, he must be in the game. Yeah. But yeah, Veronica, I had no clue she was going to die. That that was that hit. That was rough. See, I had I had an inkling that something was going to happen to her because there and um the other girl's talent tree, there is a very noticeable blank spot at the bottom mm. when you get her back. And yeah, it's like some, and it's like something is going to go on with this talent tree involving his, her sister and I have no idea what. And when you get and when when you find it out and she basically merges with her sister, it was like okay, I had a feeling that was going to happen or something yeah. like that. And it's it's impactful because you deal with how Serena um copes with it with Veronica. Well, well I mean, I guess she, I guess she's been dead, but like with the realization that she's dead, yeah. and then you deal with uh, with their parents when they find out. Um, and and I I guess you know break down and grieve and so it's not just um it's not just like a throwaway mention or anything like it 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 has like some some real world impact ramifications here yeah i mean she's got veronica's got her speech about what she did and then serena when it ends she's got her time to talk and grieve she gets a little haircut she decides you know that's some she's got to take on the role of both sisters now um and we, we haven't really said this yet but in act one veronica's your pure on fireball casting mage whereas serena's one's attack your, mage one's defense mage <laughs> yeah she, she's the cleric um of the group and then with veronica gone like you said the skill tree opens up because the way you learn new skills in the game is there's kind of like a grid um think about the sphere grid from ff10 but everybody's got their own kind of mini sphere grid they get um Mm -hmm. those ability points as they level up kind of like in dragon quest 8 but at least it it branches out you're not just kind of going like oh learn this learn this learn this you're branching out and much nicer than the dragon quest 8 one in my opinion serena suddenly gets everything she becomes sage serena she can do all of veronica's spells she can do all of hers and becomes my favorite like most powerful character in the game for 20 30 hours there as act two serena and the best part is you can respect at any point. yes yes yeah, which is important <laughs> but, we didn't mention so, um eric has has a like a family backstory with his uh side yeah story. that's around when this happens actually yep oh i thought it was earlier okay eric kind of starts out when you find eric in act two he's like mute or something yeah he's, he's very broody and not talking much but yeah, his his quest revolves around you find out that he had a sister and she I was can't turned wait for them to be in a Dragon Quest Monsters game. Mm, well, you're going to have to forever. <laughs> <laughs> because they're not. Yeah, that, that idea died. Oh, I forgot about that. That was that like weird exploration game that they teased. Yeah, well, That's they know what happened later. <laughs> They didn't tease it. They they flat out said it. What they teased was they were going to make a new Dragon Quest Monsters game. Oh, right. Starring young Eric, young Mia. And then uh, about a year after that, they, they even said this 
right after the game camp in the United States, it was like 2018, um, that fall, they were like, oh, by the way, here's some art of a young Eric, young Mia. We're going to make Dragon Quest monsters, kind of like how you had young Terry in the one, you had young Kiefer in another. Like you take that sort of secondary character and you make yep. them like the, the protagonist of monsters. Yep. But uh, about a year later, right, even before the uh, pandemic hit, early 2020, they're like, hey, by the way, production on this is not going well. You're not going to hear anything about it. <laughs> um, and then yeah. you have Pandemic 2, fast forward to the 35th anniversary broadcast, and they are not in a Monsters game. They gave them their own kind of game. They're calling it Dragon Quest Treasures, and uh, they've got themselves a little pirate cat that's going to be with them. And it looks cute. looks like a more action rpg yeah, with young fun. eric young mia yep but yeah i just i just wanted to bring that up because they <laughs> like straight up said these two will be in a monsters game wait never mind that nope. <laughs> uh, uh, also, Matt, you, you gotta refer to it as pandemic 2 electric boogaloo please sorry sorry <laughs> i mean i gotta say i was skeptical about uh dragon quest builders and i ate some crow there so i'm willing to give this whatever this one is a shot that's for sure I mean, I would fully believe that anything that gets released as, like, a major Dragon Quest spinoff, like, they would just kill it if it wasn't turning out well the same way that they did that Monsters game. <laughs> what about the um, the World Trees? Whoa. Uh, what are those? Dread the Heroes games? Or, um, I haven't played the, those. Muso games. I've got 100 hours into each of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so played... they're good then. I, they actually have some decent story. Yeah. Yeah. They've got good I played plot. Heroes, sorry. I played Heroes 1, and I tried to start Heroes 2 for our Muso show, our cursed Muso show a while back, <laughs> and I didn't get very far. Not because I wasn't having fun, but because I got distracted with other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? Objectively, the second one is way better. It, it's open world. Yeah. You're not just hopping city to city, doing mission to mission. It's not um, a Dragon Quest game. <laughs> it is. It, I'll be honest, there was no really good way to break that game. So while I played it a lot, I didn't do everything. There was just so much to do. Um, Dragon Quest Heroes versus uh, Fate. Which one? Which one's better? Fate, Extella, and there, I know there's one or two other the ones. Emerald Star or whatever versus Dragon Quest Heroes. Uh, I mean, it depends. Which do you like better, Dragon Quest or Fate? <laughs> Well, I've tried Fate, and I don't like it so far. So. Heroes well, is probably a better choice. Well, <laughs> let me let me point you in one direction, then. I will likely uh, try to finish Heroes 2 at some point, mostly because it has one of my favorite characters in it, which is uh, Ruff. And yes. the, fact that his, the fact that his ultimate is a sheep stampede is just <laughs> brilliant. Oh... Yeah, there's a good cast of characters in both those games. Now, I don't know, Pascal, without you having played anything but eight, um, you're definitely... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll you're not like, going to know a lot of them. Right. And you know what? I, I played Heroes 1 so much that by the time I got to Heroes 2, I just played as all the new characters because they introduced four new characters in each game. Just so if you want, you can have a party of, you know, play along with the story party. But then they throw in like a dozen, you know, fan favorites from other titles. So I've looked, I've looked at the uh, the the Dragon Quest art book, the Toriyama Twenty Five Years art book. So mm -hmm. 
I've at least seen them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have I have that art book. Uh, yeah, the one that has one page of Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that's so, the thirtieth. It's the thirtieth anniversary. So help me oh, out. Maybe. How does this how does the story wrap up? You pretty much just go defeat the bad guy and the world's better again? That's an option for how to wrap it up. <laughs> well, you defeat the guy, the world is saved, but it's not better. Yeah. It's just yeah, not I mean, getting the actively still... worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you've defeated um, the bad dude. And uh, what's interesting, do you see this in Act 2? Where you see um, Mordigan go to that, temp, that, that area in the desert. Yeah, and that's like, an Act 2 thing. Yep, and he blows this thing out of the sky. Because hanging in the sky throughout the whole game, is, it looks like a blood moon or something like that. Yeah, it's called, yeah isn't like, that... it has like a name. Everyone knows what it is. They're used to seeing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't that where those little creatures finally do come into play? Yeah, yeah, at least that one time. of them does. You see, yeah, like, yeah. That's one of the first times you see it in a story scene, because like, one of them shows up like watching Mortigan break that thing and then just sort of falls over. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so Mortigan, it's, you don't really know what's going on at that point. Before you go defeat Mortigan, he blows this blood moon thing out of the sky and kind of really know, I don't believe Act 2 explains that too well, but you beat Mortigan, the world is now saved, the world is not better. Um but then you can go on and fix a lot of things. You get your uh, Scott Bakula moment in Act 3, if you'd like to. Scott Continue. Bakula moment. Nobody's going to know that reference. Yeah, really going for the <laughs> you got, you quantum leap. Reference for, an, fi- reference for an audience of no one. <laughs> you fix, you fix what, what, what is it? You put right what once went wrong. Scott Bakula never unless... made it back to his home at that time. <laughs> Well, and neither does the Luminary. If you didn't watch USA Network in the 90s, no, like early 90s, then no, then uh, nobody's going to get that. This was was NBC, man. This wasn't USA Network. Yeah, Uh, I was watching a lot on USA. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Territorial uh, when it comes to Quantum Leap. (laughs) Yeah, Quantum Leap was a little over my head when it was relevant. (laughs) Oh man, I'm going to cry if I think about the last episode. But okay, so. If you so choose, in Act 3, um, the plot basically goes, okay, Veronica's dead. The world's, like, half-charred pieces of crap all over the, like, half the population's gone. Um, but there's an area that they've shown in the credits. Um, is it, like, a ruins or something that you see? It's over by like that, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's over by the mini-metal university <laughs> or the, the girls' school. <laughs> A little bit uh, east of there, there's like these ruins that kind of feature in the uh, end credits after Act 2 when you beat the game. And going over to those ruins, uh, the tackles are there, and eventually you can find your way to this tower, and all the tackles are like just spilling into this tower. Mm-hmm. And going into the tower, you can... It, it, lets you know that using the sword, um, you can kind of like go back in time. I don't know if it's going back in time or going to an alternate universe where you can do it or, you know, the time travel. What matters as far as the game is concerned, you're going back in time. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, but but the timeline you're leaving behind continues to exist without you. So it's it's a little bit of both in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it does explain it like you're not coming back here. These people are never going to see you again. Yeah. You're leaving them alone. You're the luminary and saying, peace out, dudes. Good luck with your brother. I have to make as much of a I have to fix as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And it won't actually fix it for them. It'll just fix it oh, for right. their others, their past selves. That's basically exactly how it worked in Dragon Ball. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. 
So you go back and um, it takes you, uh, I don't know if you start a little bit before, but you get the iconic end of act one scene where you're like heroes reaching for a sword and what is it? The Morgan King and Jasper show up and defeat you at that point. Well, the hero knows what's going on. He's the lumin- the luminary has the knowledge of the past timeline from jumping back in time and like just as he's about to turn and get the sword, he's got some other big sword that's like a jawbone of some monster. Yeah, it was like something that was done to the sword by Mortigan in the first uh, timeline, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And just as that scene's like playing out exactly like it had before, Jasper comes and shoots a big dark ball at you and Hero turns around and whacks it right back at him with this new sword that he's got. Mm. And it plays out a little differently. They, I, they don't confront the king right away as being Mortigan. Um, but Jasper gets killed kind of like right away. They're like, oh, hey, he's a bad guy. And the king he kills Jasper. immediately. Yeah. Jasper's like gone, man, just out of the, out, out of act three from the get go. And you head back to the castle and within minutes, like you're fighting Mortigan and you win. Like, cool. World saved. Everything's good now. Except that moon up in the sky. And also that weird, like, cockle that was really pumped about that moon until it got blown up. <laughs> I think, isn't he black? Whereas the other ones yeah, are Yeah, the black cockle. Yep. So, turns out, Mortigan, uh, when he took over the world and got his way, had the power to defeat Kalasmos. I think that's how it was. Yeah, Kalasmos. Kalasmos. He blew this thing out of the sky. And Kalasmos comes around, like, what, every thousand years or something like that? Ten thousand? Like, that's why everybody knew it. Like, oh, that thing appears up in the sky every so often in the history of the world. Yeah, it's just just there. It's Erdwin's Lantern or whatever. So, you know, the interesting plot twist here is by defeating the big bad guy, you have prevented him from beating an even bigger bad guy. Oops. Oh, there's always a bigger fish. (laughs) There's always a bigger fish. So... Uh, this is where, you know, a couple new areas open up. You don't re- you don't repeat having you don't have to get your party back together. You don't have to travel the whole world. But uh, Act 3 is pretty beefy in where you need to go. You need to power up. Um, don't you have to power up the flying whale somehow? I think so. You can also make two legendary swords. Yes, you can go make the legendary sword again. What if there were two? Consider. And there's there's different trials that you can do. What is it? The Dundrasil or the Durston trials? Um, like the bonus dungeon wish trials as well. I can't remember. If that's yeah, the same thing. That, that, yeah, I think that's what I was I was trying to think of those. But then, yeah, there's the other trials with the martial arts woman. Oh, yeah, those are hard. <laughs> yeah, those are really hard. I, I didn't do any Act 3 stuff, so... I did I, everything, because I'm dumb. <laughs> uh, usually when I roll credits, I'm pretty ready to, ready to be done with the game. But there's more yeah, credits! I, you. I know. <laughs> I know, I mean, Chris... Pascal powered through this for a review, so... Not Act 3. Not Act 3. No, no, no. And that, that's alright. I mean, my gosh, how many hours did you put in in, what, two weeks? Yeah, about 80. Act 1 and 2 took about 80 hours for me. Oh, yeah, easily. Especially, you know, you're you're playing it before release, so there's nobody like there's no guides online, no googling how to do this or that. Not that it's extremely tough, but no. no, no so no, really. yeah, you, you, there's a whole plot line that you need to go up into space on the back of the flying whale that has been flying you around the world since Act Two, and uh, you need to destroy Kalasmos, the bigger bad. And I believe in the S version, there's even something after that, isn't there, David? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's got to be even more. There's S. There's more. But yeah, what, tro- like this- what trope haven't we used yet? What's the only? That's got to be. We've we've covered them all except for one, probably. Whatever is the only one we haven't used. <laughs> I mean that in the most loving way possible. I mean, I can throw it up on TV trips and see what see what we haven't used. Was Colasmo's your brother all along? <laughs> if only. The Destroyer of Time. Although I cannot find a picture of him right now, but that is that that's the uh, even bigger. I mean, it, as cliched as the story was, I still appreciated it, appreciated it and had a lot of fun with it. Oh no, it's exceptionally written and told. It's just when you just go down the bullet points it sounds very cliche oh yeah yeah yep. th- there's a lot of nuance to it and you still have that classic dragon quest go to a town with a pun name and solve their problem <laughs> and meet uh, some characters yeah. with punny names along and the not, way not to mention like f- a fun combat system the whole time mm-hmm. yeah cause, yeah that uh, they tweaked a little bit for this game it is not your uh, traditional dragon quest you it's know, similar take all your, exactly. well, uh, for me it is because <laughs> it's the well, only eight. one I know. No, no, no. It's different no, than it's Dragon Quest Eight. The same way oh, listen, that. Eight was a decade and a half before that. Like, <laughs> do you really think I remember my time playing Eight? Well, Dragon Quest Eight is your traditional turn-based battle system. You know, it's the beginning of the round. Everybody pick an attack, that. and every monster and person will attack. You just sit. The, you sit back and watch for thirty seconds as all the attacks take place. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Dragon Quest Eleven, it, it's more like. Uh, a lot of other turn-based games where you pick your attack when it's your turn. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, it's Veronica's turn. You do your spell, the spell happens, the damage is done, then, hey, maybe this monster goes, well, well now it's Serena's turn. So, mm-hmm. Serena, You goes. can actually yeah. act reactively rather than, well, I yeah. hope I guessed right about how this turn's going to go. Yeah, I hope I cast heal on this character because I think they're going to attack that character. Unless I you're mean, playing Dragon Quest Six, and then the AI, when you have the auto partying, just knows. Oh, oh that's yeah, true of that, all of them when you put on the auto AI party. Yeah, and that's a good benefit egregious. of putting the AI on your healer, because yeah, the healer yeah, will do what needs to be react. done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this game also um, tried to be a little bit like Dragon Quest Ten. Um, Dragon Quest Ten is the MMO that never came across to the West, but I've played uh. through. 35 hours of the first version of it and it's kind of the traditional dragon quest or it's mainly like 11 um but your battlefield when you get in a battle it breaks away a little bit but then you're on the same area you're in a standing in a circle and you can move around and if you wait too long it's kind of got an active time battle it's very generous um but you're still doing a command based battle system with a little atb in the background Plus, movement matters. You can actually, like, push monsters and block their way so they can't attack your healer standing back a little bit. Dragon Quest Eleven gives you that freedom of movement, but it is completely meaningless. Yeah, yeah you can move around, just, you know, if it makes you feel better. Yeah, <laughs> but it has... I, I turned that off after about an hour. I mean, I'd read that it was meaningless, and I tried it for a while. I'm like, no, this is just going to be too distracting. yeah. Uh, I turned it off. I just lined them up like in every other Dragon Quest game. Let's do the lineup method. <laughs> now, if you play the 2D mode, the 2D mode plays like traditional bat- Dragon Quest. You don't get to be reactive like you can in the uh, 3D mode. Yeah, it's just like if you if you if the concept of any sort of forward motion frightens and confuses you, 2D mode will help you. Yep. <laughs> 
Yeah. And sometimes that's just what you want. <laughs> uh, well, I think I, uh, that's the plot, finally. Yeah, finally. Um, we went into the gameplay and characters a little bit, too. So hmm. I think we're about ready for the roundtable, unless anyone has Hold on, I'll else. throw one other thing in there for the S version. Um, something not in the original, but that is in the S. You get lots of more story with those tackles. You get yeah. to go... Yep, you get to go to their, is it Tickington or Talkington? Yeah, Tickington. Tickington. You go to their village, and they've got ten pedestals in their village. And throughout the story, you can get, you can find items called past words. (laughs) Not passwords, past words. It's Dragon Quest, you see. Because it's Dragon Quest, and, you know, tick-tock. In Tickington, the tackles are there, and you can go into past Dragon Quest games, and it's all in 2D. Like, you can travel back in time to Dragon Quest 3 and do a little something. You do little things to make sure those games go the way they're supposed to. Yep, and I I think some of the more fun ones are, like, going into Dragon Quest 8, which was never 2D, but you go, (laughs) like, the one I remember doing, Jessica was there, and, um, what, you were back at the, uh... Sabercat guy's house doing something with that. And they're all very short. Like these are like a side quest that'll take you five, ten minutes tops. Yeah, they're they're really like they were designed for portable play, so it makes perfect yep. sense that they're okay. very short. Okay, that that is cute and charming and is now giving me yeah. motivation to want to pick back up S and continue. And I mean, even if you're in the 3D mode, you still can do this. It's not like you Yeah, like it doesn't require you to switch to the 2D mode to play yep. these. Like it'll just take you into 2D for these sections. Yeah, that is very cute. Um, So I want to say that the game did well enough in the U.S. um, Well, I mean, well enough everywhere to warrant making the Dragon Quest XI hero a Smash character, which blew my mind. That was fun. With hair like that, who the fuck wanted to see him again? I think it's also (laughs) indicative of... Uh, the it, it seems to have renewed Square's interest in the idea. Well, maybe we can sell Dragon Quest in the West because, like, the 35th anniversary special was like that. Uh, like, stream was uh, subtitled and had like uh, specific callouts to this title will be coming to the West. Uh, but or, not ten. Sorry, this isn't the just basically just for the ten uh, expansion. Screw you, ten version six. But to be fair, they never said that the offline version wasn't coming. Oh, no, they heavily implied the offline version is coming. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm down for anyway. I'm very oh, yeah. interested like... in how that ends up working. <laughs> I can't wait till 2025. Yes. <laughs> That's Look 12, you the... Philistine. Oh, sorry. 2024? You think that'll come up first? I think I think that'll come out before 12. We okay. saw more of 10 offline than 12. Uh, they've still got job postings up for people to like do scenario design and graphics or whatever for 12. Yeah, like I would imagine that game is basically just like some like a big old pin board full of concepts and which <laughs> cliches they don't want to use again and it's which dark. ones they want to use explicitly twice it's, again. <laughs> it's dark. It's more adult. And there's going to be some changes nothing. to the command-based battle system. <laughs> That's about all we know about it. So, so David, you're saying it's just easier to list the cliches they don't want in their game anymore at this point? <laughs> yeah, More it's, a, like, it's a shorter list. Too much recently. Put that on the pinboard, the big pinboard that says no. <laughs> <laughs> 
the just just looking over the sales figures, man, the game sold over two million physical copies of its first two days of sales in Japan. Yep. Uh, well, one million people bought both the 3DS and PS4 versions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says the 3DS version sold 1.13 million, and the PlayStation 4 version sold. 0.95 million. So, oh, that version probably uh, that version probably sold faster than just about anything else on the PS4 in Japan. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about the West, although I, it does say that it shipped over four million copies worldwide. So that is, I, I mean, I, I, I think the that latest things I've seen is it definitely pushed more than a million in the West. Yeah, that's what I would expect. Which uh, I can't. Which I say I can't remember is good or bad because Square being like a four million sales is a failure for a while. I'm sure it did fine. I think that like on some level the renewed push to make Dragon Quest a bigger deal in the West is probably also to do with the decline of the Japanese market in general. But eh. yeah, we, get, we sure as hell got a lot of Dragon Quest uh, mobile titles out of this. <laughs> uh, for better and for the round table before I get sad. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, after a brief musical interlude, we will be back with the round table where we kind of get into more thoughts, although more personalized thoughts about Dragon Quest XI. So stick around. we get into our personal memories about Dragon Quest XI, we did have a clip sent in from one of our regulars, Andy, who unfortunately couldn't make it to the show tonight because he had to work, and he is a pretty huge Dragon Quest fan, so here is what he had to say about Dragon Quest XI. Hi guys, Andy here. I just wanted to take a few moments to share some of my feelings about a game that is very near and dear to my heart, Dragon Quest XI. Dragon Quest XI is full of many memorable moments. I can't really narrow it down to one single moment. The game's full of funny, clever, and well-written moments, from Rab's interactions with Grandmaster Pang, to Eric's reluctance to open up about his prior life, to Hendrix struggling to fit in with the party after previously being blindly antagonistic towards them. Not many games can boast as many memorable moments as Dragon Quest XI. But if I had to pick just one, it would have to be the revelation at the end of the game and the credits that follow. Finding out that you are the basis of the Legend of Erdrick and seeing a beautiful montage of every mainline game in the series was incredibly poignant and unexpected. A staple of RPGs are mini games and side quests, and Dragon Quest XI is no exception. Casinos have been a staple of the Dragon Quest series, and admittedly, I spent many hours in Dragon Quest XI's casino playing the slime slots. I'm not much into racing, so the horse racing minigame didn't really interest me. I only did it to farm the item to make the Sword of Light. 
the biggest time sink for me would most definitely be the trials. Two different sets of trials open up during the course of the game and both offer good rewards for completion. I personally like the Wheel of Harma trials as it required it to be beaten in a certain number of terms, necessitating good planning. Dragon Quest XI is chock full of memorable characters, and every party member stands out in one way or another. But my favorite character, without a doubt, would have to be Rob. I've always liked the venerable master archetype, and Rob fits it to a T. He is also a versatile character with multi-target physical attacks, as well as good magic. His relationship with Jade and Hero is truly heartwarming, and even though he has a love of magazines and Grandmaster Payne's discipline, he can instantly turn into a serious fighter of high caliber. I may catch a little flack for this, but I don't really care. My favorite song on the soundtrack is the main overture. You just can't beat a classic. It's beautiful and immediately recognizable, and it lets you know what kind of adventure you're getting into. It has the gravitas befitting a legendary hero and has earned its place in video game history. Thinking back on my time playing Dragon Quest XI, a lot of memories come rushing back. I love how they turned the king giving you the quest to save the world trope on its head and made him the antagonist for roughly half of the game. I was stunned to see how the main villain's plan came to fruition and seeing its consequences. The moment that stood out the most would have to be the montage at the end of the game, however. Just seeing little snippets of every mainline game showing you how the series grew from its 8-bit roots to now left me speechless. Very few games really grabbed me and won't let go like Dragon Quest XI did. From the moment I picked it up Labor Day weekend in 2019 until I beat it Thanksgiving Day, oh, there's another memory coming back. You have no idea how satisfying it is to smell a huge Thanksgiving dinner cooking while the Dragon Quest Overture is playing in the background. It was amazing. As I was saying, from the time I bought it until the day I beat it, I played it every single day and never once felt bored or thought the grind was too heavy or that a segment felt rushed or flat. Dragon Quest XI, in my opinion, stands as a pinnacle of what a great turn-based RPG can and should be. To me, Dragon Quest XI is that favorite restaurant you really like, but you only go once or twice a year so you can truly savor the experience and not get burned out. That's Dragon Quest to me. You know what you're getting, you get a wonderful experience, and yeah, you'll have to wait a few more years to get it again, but you know it's going to be worth it. I've known about the Dragon Quest series since my childhood, but admittedly this is the first one I beat. It was just so good, I went and bought Dragon Quest 1 and 2 for my Switch and am playing through the entire series. One of the little innovations I really liked about Dragon Quest XI was the fun size forge. A lot of RPGs have crafting mechanics and allow you to create weapons and armor and improve the items you currently have, boosting their longevity. But the way Dragon Quest XI did it made it so much fun. Still retaining the core element of forging, Dragon Quest XI added in different tools and gauges and sweet spots on the items to effectively turn forging into a minigame. I wouldn't classify it in the same category as the earlier minigames I talked about, but it is fun and addicting nonetheless. Dragon Quest XI is a prime example of a game to recommend to somebody wanting to dip their feet in the genre for the first time. It has an excellent story and gameplay, 
It does a great job explaining how all the mechanics work and has a very well-paced story with many nuanced and intriguing characters. If you haven't played Dragon Quest XI, go play it. If you have played it, it's definitely worthy of a replay. Thank you for listening to me ramble on about a game I love very much, and I can't wait to ramble some more about other games I love. RPG backtrack where we are now going to get into the round table. I mean, we kind of already talked about our favorite stuff a little bit, but this is where we kind of get a little bit more personal, you know, talk about our favorite music and our favorite moments and stuff like that. Like what, what was special to each person about the game and what we played? So first question, what, what was your favorite moment or funniest moment from the game? And I'm going to start with Pascal. Um. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Um, I didn't. I missed out on the two D, on the two D version. Uh, I feel like that might have been a favorite moment of mine. Um, memorable, definitely. Uh, the Silvando uh, parade. Maybe not to the status of favorite. So <laughs> that that goes with my my earlier reservations, I guess a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, Honestly, I, I can't really isolate like one specific thing that stands out. There's, it was a really good blend, and I can't really like peel back like one aspect of that. I even like, um, I guess we'll talk about the music in a minute, but I even like the music, and and I think it helps me that I'm I'm not like a longtime fan of the whole series because um, from what I from what I hear that the music is less enjoyable maybe for people who are who are very used to it from other games. Yeah, the problem with Dragon Quest music is that he's been Sugiyami's been recycling the same songs for the past thirty-five years. Yeah, a lot. Most of I think even Eleven soundtrack is actually reused from other games. So if you haven't heard yeah. them over and over, it's like, oh, this is good. This fits here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of have to plead, plead ignorance. I, I can't I even mean, pick fine. one thing. <laughs> It's it's okay to be well to the game as a holistic product that it's hard to just pull out one thing and say this was the best bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have to uh, I'll kind of run through a couple ones we've talked about before. Um, you know, Veronica's speech about why she sacrificed herself—that's awesome. The whole Silvando and his dad thing's awesome. Um, it's kind of hilarious. I don't think we specifically said it, but Silvando's dad ends up taking on all of his peacock-wearing costumed parade people. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> because Silvando's got to rejoin the party, which means he's got to give. They up. have to go somewhere. <laughs> they got to go somewhere. So, hey, dad, now that we've like come to an understanding. Can you take all these guys under your wing? I'll be back yeah, for him. 
Yeah, I put, makes, go ahead. Sorry, I put that down as my favorite moment, and specifically the moment because Sylvando's <laughs> like, if you're gonna run with the crew, darling, you have to dr- dress like the crew. So he dresses him in a peacock <laughs> outfit. <laughs> And that thousand-yard stare that that dad is having while sitting on the edge of the bed while all of these Mardi Gras people are just dancing around him and just, you know, being all happy and cheery and stuff. And he's just got this look like Al Bundy, like, shoot me. Hmm. And I I laughed so hard. I totally should have read the notes that you were going to talk about that. I would have. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, that. I, I mean, I cracked up, and I think I took a screenshot of it. It was so damn funny. Just be- <laughs> but beautiful moment. But it's like it's like a somewhat like willing participant shoot me kind of look. Yeah. Um. Which 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 kind of helps. Like like so that dad seems pretty intolerant. Like throughout most of this, like oh man, you have a falling out with your son like over that, like and like a bitter falling out. But the way he um. The way he changes course, like the 180 that he does to the point of I'm going to adopt all your followers, you know, like that, that makes him, that kind of rounds the corner on him a little bit, makes him likable again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the dad has, the the dad even has plot growth. Yeah. There. Does anything come of that after the, uh, the credits roll in back three or not? Uh, I don't think that gets touched on. Okay. I, I didn't. Because so. Sylvanda wouldn't have formed the parade and. Yeah, yeah that, like that's kind of the bittersweet that always comes with that. Is that well, so many of these important experiences only happen to you. <laughs> yep. Mm. Which is also and, why, like, Serena doesn't have like her super magic at that point oh, either, because Veronica's still there. Yeah, Act Three, Serena is definitely powered down. <laughs> I'll take um, that. <laughs> speaking of speaking of other shitty events, um, I will have to go with one of my favorite things, and this is something my Slime Time co-host always goes on and on about, and. Gosh darn it, Liam. You're right. It is hilarious. Um, it was right after the parade. Um, you're back in the town of uh, Phenomenon. And there's something going on south of the town. There's this monster. Um, it's called uh, Avarith or something. And I, I don't understand why you have to go. You got to go down there and take care of this monster. Because whatever. That's what you do. You solve the town's problems. Beat the monsters. Um, and at one point, like, Silvando's just, like, talking to this monster talking 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 and he's like by the way i brought you something it's so fragrant oh my gosh you're gonna love it and the monster's getting all excited like what you bring me what you bring me what you bring me and silvando's got like a little fan in his hand and he walks up you don't see he like kind of puts the fan over the monster's uh hand and the monster closes his eyes and when he opens it there's just a big pile of shit in his hand And, and like for for those of us who's played so many Dragon Quest games and picked up the item cow pat or horse manure, yeah. it, it, it's just something that you find in all the games. That ne- it's just you can sell it for one gold. It's just never around, and it's just like almost the exact same image that's in different games. It's just sitting there in the monster's hand. He's like, what? <laughs> That is hilarious. Um, oh. You put this one in, Matt. What's your favorite mini game? Oh, the first one. My favorite part. <laughs> the Forge. The Forge is if we got to go favorite mini game um, and thing I spent ridiculous amounts of time on. Uh, Alchemy in here, you actually have something to do. It's not just like mix it all up, 
throw it in the pot. Um, you have this forge that you can upgrade throughout the game. The more you use it, the better it, you can do. And there's a certain amount of heat, and there's different ways that you can hit things on the forge, and you got to get all the little bars into the green zones, and every item that you craft can have either... You can either craft it, and it's got its normal stats, or it can be a plus one, plus two, or plus three, and get additional stats that just basically make all the forge stuff way better than anything you buy or find. And there's even... What is it? Every time you make something, you get these little items that you can buy later to reforge stuff. Um, so if you made it a plus one and you're like, damn it, I want to do that again. Instead of getting all the items that it takes to make that item, you can just spend like eight of these reforge items and try again. Try later when you have more different hitting abilities and whatever. Um, yeah, it, it's just great. And I remember my kids would sit there as I did it and oh my god what would they yell I think they would just go slam 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 <laughs> like every they just wanted to sit around and watch me do the forging game and just <laughs> repeatedly yell bang 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 my wife would get so annoyed she would walk out of the room <laughs> when I would do any sort of crafting <laughs> because the kids would just sit there bam 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 just like along with the motions on the game so now go get mommy's pots and pans and you could be a blacksmith <laughs> oh, then there's a it wasn't really a mini game but there's a gondolia one of the towns has a little thing where there are these two brothers that run two different shops and at like three different times throughout the game um after plot points and whatever if you go there they one of them selling like this awesome piece of armor i think it's uh the cat suit for Veronica in Act 1 and some great um, armor for Hendrik in Act 2 or something like that. But the one's like, oh, it's yours for like 20,000 gold. And you're like, holy crap, I'm not paying that. I've got like 2,000 gold. But if you go back and forth to these different brothers, um, like the one's like, what? My brother's selling it for 20,000? I'll sell it to you for 10. And if you like keep doing it back and forth and back and forth, you'll eventually, one of them will get it down to like 2,000 and one of them will get it down to 1,000 and you get some great armor. For dirt cheap, just by going back and forth to these two brothers competing against each other. And, of course, the casinos were always good. Yeah, my, my favorite bit was um, slime slots. Oh, those were so fun. Uh, but, as you say, on here. Yeah, yeah, pay, paid, like, paid out like ass, and you were much better yep. off doing the other ones. But slime Literally slots doing was, anything else. <laughs> slime slots was so freaking fun to watch, though. You queue up like a hundred, a hundred of them and just watch it go. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember walking along on a little quest. I remember Chris and Anna would, would just like, hey, want to watch slime slots? Okay, and just... Cue, cue it up and sit there and watch it and just be adored by it and and me too i i was adored by it and i don't want to you know create a monkey's paw but i would play a mobile game of that i'm pretty rather sure wish, go ahead rather wish on a monkey's paw is what i meant to say <laughs> i'm pretty sure slime slime slots is is the one i never understood like how to play it then I remember there was one of a slime walking on a quest and I'm pretty yep. sure I did not know how how to operate it at all. Like I, I am 100% sure I did not know how it, it operated. <laughs> I, <laughs> I it was fun either. as hell. I didn't either. I didn't care. It was fun to watch. I'm sure there's an FAQ out there. I didn't read it. I just, oh. yeah, you're right. You you buy a bunch of them and sometimes he would do something and you get like an extra 30 <laughs> bonus plays. You're like, woo, oh. keep going, slime dude. 
I forgot to mention that one um, casino that you go to after the time skip that pays out <laughs> so well, and it turns out that it was run by demons and was supposed to pay out well, and all of your coins go away. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I've known people that have put all their gold, like, oh my god, I'm going to totally buy a bunch of coins at this one or the tokens at this casino and just go crazy towards the beginning of Act 2, and all that's for nothing. Yeah, I had a feeling something was up. So I didn't really go with it that much because, like, this is paying too well. There's something going on. Yep, I'm glad I didn't invest a lot in that. And I was, I was making a point of warning people on Twitter that were like posting, "Hey, these slots pay out so good." Oh no! no don't don't waste oh. your time. It goes away. Um, you guys skipped David on the previous. Oh, I'm thing. sorry. I thought I thought he said his. No, I said that I hadn't gotten to say mine. <laughs> Thank my bad uh, it's fine it's david fine. what's your favorite moment i actually wanted to highlight one of my favorite things about dragon quest games is like the often weird like somber stories that end up showing up in certain towns and one of the ones that mm. stuck out to me in this game was the uh the story of the mermaid and the fisherman that happens in act oh. one. Oh yeah yeah just like just this really like this very Dragon Quest Town story where it's like something happened uh, like and it turns out it's not actually resolvable because everything that could have been done about it happened so long ago mm. and also when you go back when you go back in time it's still way too late to resolve things. <laughs> it's funny I remember that story like pretty pretty vividly but I had completely forgotten that this was the game it was even in. <laughs> because it is such a self-contained little vignette, but yeah. it's just a really good one. That could have been, yeah, you're right, like in any game, but yeah, a testament to that. Like, I actually remember it. Um, I Wait, I can mention one or two things after all. I thought of something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just needed more thinking time. That's fine. <laughs> um, it's, it might be a little disingenuous to call these like my favorite things, because um, if they were, but they they're probably memorable. Would come right to mind. Memorable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when Matt was talking about Puff Puff, I remember there was one Puff Puff. Um, I don't remember how exactly it goes down, but it's something about um, the uh, the girl insists that you, I think, be blindfolded or something like that. And uh, when you take the blindfold off, um, the the person giving Puff Puff <laughs> is I don't remember. It's it's like her old dad. It's her or, dad. Yes. <laughs> So this and Pascal not playing any of the other games, you wouldn't know this one. This is 100% a throwback to Dragon Quest 3. Um, in Dragon Quest 3, in the desert town, um, you get offered it in the modern translations. translations it's uh, lovingly called Isis. Um, the town of Isis in Dragon <laughs> Quest 3. Yeah. I mean, I think it's after the Egyptian god. Right, because there's... Right. Isis means a lot of other things and has meant a lot of other things previously. Yeah. It just so happened that this... That's the translation they went with in the... uh, Around 2005. Um, But they... Yeah, you you get invited. The girl's like, oh, do you want a puff puff? And you, like, go upstairs. She's like, oh, we're going to turn the lights out. And, like, oh, puff, 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 puff. Does it feel good? Does it feel good? And then the lights come on. And the dads, they're, like, giving you a massage. And the one that you're talking about takes place in the desert town mm-hmm. in Dragon Quest XI. So the one where you meet Silvando. So it's they definitely pulled that same gag again mm-hmm. and did it in the, the same, like, basically equivalent town. 
pretty good. There's actually an achievement for getting all eight puff puff massages and the PlayStation <laughs> version of the game. And yeah. when I saw that, it's like, well, if there's one achievement I'm going for, it's this. Just because I want to be able to screenshot it and say, I did the puff puffs. And yeah, each each one is a different gag where you think you're going to get, you know, oogled by a pair of breasts and it's something completely <laughs> different. <laughs> Matt, uh, it's a good thing your kids are sitting around saying "bang bang," because if they were getting like "puff puff," it would be a different story. Oh no! Yep, we're not getting into that. That this uh, this young, but uh, um, yeah. the, it you, Pat Cal, you brought up uh, Dragon Quest Heroes early earlier. There's this happens in Dragon Quest Heroes One, and the achievement name I remember there is the Puffington Host. <laughs> <laughs> For that one, getting all the puff puffs from all the characters, nice. and yeah, yeah, all of all of them are completely not what you expect it to be. Yeah, if I recall, in eight, wasn't it uh, his head between two slimes? Yeah. Yes. Oh. That's that, that's that's great. the iconic puff puff from that one. Oh, that's great. I I don't remember that at all. And to be honest, I think at, when I played eight, I probably wouldn't have gotten that joke too. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. I think I was too young. You, you yeah. know what? I probably could kind of like my favorite thing though. Like um, honestly, this time, um, I because I don't know if I'm gonna be able to mention it in any other category later, so I better say it now. The uh, the localization. It's really strong. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> so, um, like like Thank recently, I played. Hmm? The, the company's name is Schlock. I played um near. Uh, wait, no, near. Which one is it? I, I, Replicant, uh, recently. Near Replicant, square root of one and a half. <laughs> yeah, and that one had a, and I mean, obviously it's a, you know, the remake. The, the original even had had like a really, really good, um, uh, what did I just call a translation? What did I say? Localization. Yeah, and and I think this falls this falls in line with it. Like that, the town in um. Well, whatever the the Japanese town where everybody speaks in haiku. That that must have been hell to yeah. write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not even always enjoyable oh, no. to listen to. I feel like, but just you as an the achievement. Cry yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That had to have been hell to write, given that you can convey a lot more in Japanese with fewer uh, syllables than you can in in English. Definitely. But um, so did you two have um, have any favorite mini game? It's just the forging for me. Yeah, not really for me at all. I, I usually don't like crafting. I guess the forging was pretty painless as far as crafting goes, but mm, I wouldn't call it like a favorite. And I, I already said I don't get the I don't I never understood the slime stuff. So no, not <laughs> Can't really. Can't believe there's no one here that's a huge horse rake, racing mark. Oh, screw <laughs> that damn game. <laughs> And you know that there was someone out there that liked the crossbow mini game, and it's sad that it's gone. That there's someone out there that boycotted the S release because the crossbow <laughs> game is gone. Incredible. You know that exists. Someone uh, waiting for Dragon Quest Eleven X that's just like, oh, and we finally put back in the crossbow mini game, sixty dollars. The real definitive edition. <laughs> so, um, I I almost put the stipulation: your favorite character that is not Silvando. I'll oh, go yeah. with uh, Act Two, Serena. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, Silvando. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, uh, I I wrote down Silvando too. But if if I had to pick, if you took Silvando out, it would have to be Eric because I liked his kind of. I, I find it funny that in a medieval game, he kind of had a New York accent in a way, <laughs> but he was also just very cool, and I liked his design and just 
it was cool, and I felt really bad for him in the second act. Just all their accents and and their voice actors are just you know, but this game really does lean into that um that that trend. Is it you know I'm not sure if it's still a trend, but it was it was a, for a little while there um with all the uh, the British voice actors and very 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 British dialogue. It's very much been the localization identity of Dragon Quest since eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, that, that's the uh, that's the comp the, the company that they contract yeah. with is over there, and that's what you get. But it, it's awesome. So, so it's fitting cares? with the like, very that's... European medieval medieval fantasy vibe that Dragon Quest goes for. Yeah, you want knights and castles <laughs> and swords and British English, <laughs> Bringlish as it's sometimes known. <laughs> so, Pascal and David, did you two have a favorite character? I'll uh, let Pascal go first, <laughs> unless unless you need time, in which case I can. No, <laughs> no. Um, I would. I don't know. Probably. I, to me, I kind of equate uh, Rab and Jade together, kind of, because I guess maybe maybe because they get introduced together. They're very mm-hmm. like their storyline is very intertwined yeah. as well. Apparently, ever since the opening, like when you were a baby, they he's been traveling the world with her, looking for you. Yeah. So I'll, that's there we go. That I'll throw that as, as my answer. Yeah, I'll actually expound on that since I, we didn't talk about them much. They were easily our least discussed party members, but uh-huh. uh, I, I like them both because they both represent a very like both of them are kind of tackling grief in a very different and strange fashion that you don't see a lot in games. Where like Rab is like someone who has had like 20 years to sort of live with the death of his children and also the possible death of his grandchild, but still having to live in the context of, well, I have to keep looking anyway. And Jade is living with some sort of weird sort of almost survivor guilt about it. And it's, it's like a very interesting place to put both of those characters and it makes them stick out to be both in terms of Dragon Quest characters and JRPG characters as a whole. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout them out a little bit since we didn't talk about them much. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're good characters. I know that Rab ended up being my main healer. He's good at it. <laughs> uh, and... Gosh, Rab was just the one that I never rotated in. <laughs> I I I, it, I hear everybody talk about it all the time, like, oh, he's like really good. I'm like, ah, I, I'm, that's just not what I use. <laughs> yeah, I was always using Serena. Serena was like a mainstay. The hero was a mainstay, and honestly, the other two positions, if I had to rotate somebody in because somebody died, like honestly, that person would be in for the next ten battles until they died or something. Like I just. They were all so useful. There was always something. Yeah, I used basically everyone in this game. Yeah, kind of impressive. What and about Hendrick? Could... Hendrick, no, he was awesome. Tank. Yeah, he, he's good to axe. have when you just need someone who's there to punch things and live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hit like a truck. Oh yeah, I yeah. went the axe route with him, and yeah, just good. just wanted to shout out both of those characters a little bit. Um. So did everybody oh. say say their favorite character? They did. I want to. I want to go back to something Pascal brought up. So you, you mentioned the localization. So I, I'm not 100 percent sure how they pronounce it. It's S H L O C Slock um, localization services over there. Uh, not only have they did Dragon Quest um, 11, but they do Yokai Watch. They do Nino Kunis. Um, so they they've got a really high level pun team. <laughs> 
to put all these things together. Um, yeah. It seems like they, they did some work on the Final Fantasy VII remake, but maybe not the English version of it. French, mm-hmm. Italian... Yeah. Yeah. There's German, there's quite Spanish, a bit. That's, yeah. There's a bit of there's quite a few characters in in Dragon Quest Eleven that remind me of Mr. Drippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I can just see that, that. Like, Mr. Drippy writer. Just the strange that that accent and that voice coming out of that particular character is so odd but unforgettable. Um, so moving on. Did did any of you have a favorite song? I know that's kind of a hard ask given D- Dragon Quest music, but. There are some tunes that I still enjoy in every game. Well, I can't name any tune by name at all, um, but I very much enjoyed the music. Yes, the songs are good. Um, ta- ta- any like town theme or battle theme? The, you know what? The one, the one I don't really care for that much is the uh, the Japanese town that I had already praised for for the haikus. But the the theme isn't really my favorite. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just like the, I'm kind of like Pascal. I can't I, I can't put my finger on any of the songs. I do enjoy them, even though there's a lot of repeats. I I, I Kelly, you and I have said this a lot. We especially with portable games, um, we play a lot of these on mute just because we're laying in bed at night, mm-hmm. and I, that that's actually how I had to play this a lot because um, our PS4 is in the bedroom at the time. And my wife's like, "Hey man, it's ten o'clock. I'm going to bed." So I'd be laying there in bed like playing ps4 but like she's fast asleep i gotta <laughs> yeah I break this down on the tv and i gotta have it muted y- yeah you know when... <laughs> what's interesting about that i did not know that that was an option <laughs> oh the headphone and the I had controller. the ps4 for many years before i knew that that was an option uh that's rough i, for- I forget i want to say it was during dragon quest 11 that i pointed that out i pointed out like why doesn't this have bluetooth and someone's like why don't you just plug in your thing to the controller and i was like what um that being said it it was kind of hard for me to pick a favorite song initially because i played the original ps4 version of this so i didn't get the good music i got the shitty midi um and i like that too i I don't feel like it's shitty i I thought the midi was okay actually i mean i have no no reference point but because I never got to hear the better music, but I it worked yeah. for me. Um, some songs worked better than others. Um, anything with a trumpet just sounded like a fart, and that that kind of sucked. <laughs> but um, that that being said, I did. If I had to pick a song from this game, it would definitely be the Slime Slots song, just because it was so charming, just like the Slime Slots game. I'll nominate like the the opening theme, like the main title theme for, and, and I know it's not like unique to this game. Yeah, sure, if that's what it's called. Um, but just it's you know, considering like how it 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 it, it sounds exactly like what you think it is. Like yeah, like I don't know, like the just, procession, like a yeah, procession. But it, but it manages. It still manages to be like I I feel like it's like rousing and exciting and um. It's not played out at all. It it hasn't, you know, it's not, it doesn't sound dated to me. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's iconic. I mean, to me, you, to me, having a dragon Dragon Quest game without the overture is like having a Final Fantasy game without the procession. You yeah. know, it just it goes together. Yeah, the prelude. My bad. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of uh, Final Fantasy music, and I, I know it far better than Dragon Quest. But I think as far as like, but as a theme, I think the Dragon Quest theme. 
is more it's not it's not more recognizable but it i don't know it, it's 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 more rousing to me iconic it's it's more <laughs> rousing and and i mean i'm a huge final fantasy fan but the overture is more catchy to me yeah as a as a matter of fact the overture is so catchy that when i heard it in a japanese um department store for the first time and realized that like oh wait dragon quest is actually popular here mm-hmm. i was like oh my god i can't believe i'm hearing the dragon quest overture and like the japanese equivalent of a best buy like remember when you were saying earlier how how when you heard the news that a new game was coming out when it was first announced right like how you felt about that mm-hmm. that's the moment where if you heard if 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 you heard that news and then heard the overture, like that would just pair so well together. Like it's it's oh, exciting. Yeah. It's such an exciting song. Oh yeah, I mean, dating this podcast a little bit, there's a Nintendo Direct tomorrow, and you know how they do the whole tease thing where they'll te- like um they'll tease something and then the, the music will kick in. Like the second I would hear that 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 da 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 da. Like during a during a Nintendo Direct or any sort of press conference, I lose my shit. Oh, I remember when the Smash one happened. Oh yeah, that was that was yeah. a noon announcement that day, and I was dismissing the kids from camp, and I kind of had my phone off to the side, and I was like, kept looking over. I'm like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then that music kicked in. I was like, woo, woohoo! We're getting somebody <laughs> in Smash. Was that the same Smash conference that they also announced Banjo Kazooie, and it completely like overtook? The Dragon Quest hero, am I thinking of another one? I think they did both get announced at the same time, but mostly what okay. I recall was people like screaming at each other about which one was uh, good and which one was bad. Yeah, because people lost their minds over the Banjo-Kazooie one because they had teased it before, and it was essentially the same trailer, and poor Dragon Quest hero didn't get much love. Um I was more pissed that they didn't do multiple amiibos with the different Dragon Quest hero skins. Uh, that thing sounds expensive. It would have been expensive, but man, it would have been worth it just to get more Dragon Quest figures in my house. <laughs> but I, I have my That'd eleven here. The only amiibo I own. I'm, I'm not I, an amiibo I, I person. I'm not surprised. Yep. I, but I, man, surprised. I got him. I remember very vividly in the middle of the uh, pandemic, which we're still in. Uh, <laughs> the the guy from Best Buy carefully like walking it out to my car. I don't know if he was teasing or anything, but like I, I specifically remember the best guy by guy, like walking it out, not in a bag or anything, just like walking it out. And here you go, sir. Like, well, thank you. <laughs> little little pompous of you. Uh, you that or you're a huge Dragon Quest fan that's showing a lot of respect to this little thing. But <laughs> did he like did he like bow to you when he handed it over or? Not exactly, but uh, okay. I mean, he could have been Silvando with that piece of shit that he was given the uh, monster, the way he was holding it out from his body. Like, <laughs> maybe he was trying to still social distance or something, but uh, it was just a weird 10 seconds there. Like, oh, why is this guy walking towards me like that? It's funny. I actually have two um, he- uh, heroes, one um, out of package and one in package. And I think when I, because I wanted to get duplicates for that reason, because it came out the same day as the uh, Joker. Yes. I'm pretty sure it came out the same day. Okay. And I go to Best, we went to Best Buy because I had ordered the ones that I had opened. And then we went to Best Buy just because I was curious if they had any extras. And I think that they had like a dozen heroes, but only one Joker left over. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was the exact opposite. I don't know. I know that there was a dozen of one of them and only one left of the other. But I'm I'm pretty sure it was the hero that they had a dozen of just because um, Dragon Quest isn't as popular as Persona is over here. But I could be wrong. Okay. And also just the difference of character. Like the difference. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't exactly make our list. No, he's kind of a bland. I mean, Mm. I think all of them are kind of bland. Projection character, not (laughs) spotlight. And for that goddamn hair. Yeah, what is it with you with long hair? You. It's even commented on in game a couple times. Oh, okay. Of course you remember that from the hours of game. There's I mean, like a woodcutter early on in the game who says something like, well, look at your hair, how long and luxurious it is. But there are other times where it's like mentioned like, like get a hairdo. So did you not put a bandana on him like as soon as you could? Oh, I didn't. But um, David, you mentioned that early on about put a helmet on him. So in Act One, you find out, you know, your heritage that Rab's your grandfather, your parents are dead, they used to be rulers of this kingdom, and you get um, the Dundrasil armor. And this is, you don't even have the whole party to get, I think this is right when you get the whole party together in Act One. I put that Dundrasil armor on immediately because it's one of the few things that changes your character's appearance. There's only about five or six in for each character that changes their um, appearance. I put that on and I wrote it all the way through the of Act One. I was like a good 30 to 40 defense below what I could have been, but I never took it off because I didn't want to lose that. Okay, I'm busy not understanding that, and I'm going to continue to not understand that. I mean, the game wasn't hard. It's not like he was dying. No, I'm just busy not understanding your, like, uh, broad obsession in the uh, abstracts. I-, I love my Dragon Quest heroes to look like knights. That That, that is something that, that gets me. Da- I knights or armor. Goku? I'm just writing down in the Google Doc, Matt's a big nerd. <laughs> and, uh, we're moving on. <laughs> Well, I mean, I one, two, three, and four. That's what they were, man. They're always in their armor and looking badass. And five was okay. Man, you, you and I have a kid. very different idea of what the Dragon Quest four hero looks like. Because he looks like yeah, a huge that's fucking... true. <laughs> that's true. And I mean, to be fair, he does have some pretty bad hair in that. He looks like Severus Snape, <laughs> which <laughs> he doesn't do which anything. The hero. Oh, for, but which hero are you talking? Still talking about eleven? 11's hero. Eleven. If he had you like legit- circle back around. When I look if- at him, he just looks like Trunks from Dragon Ball when his hair gets long in the Android saga, which is absolutely <laughs> what Toriyama was doing because that's what he always does. Just yeah. like what Dragon Quest character? What what Dragon Ball character haven't I used again in a while? I mean, if he had luxurious hair like Kiefer in Seven, I'd be singing a, a different tune. But he just has yeah. boring hair. You're right; it is Trunks. Because I mean, once it's, again, it's just a butt cut grown out, man. Toriyama only has five faces. It's fine. They're all good faces. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, did, did you have any memories of you playing the game? You know, what were you doing in your life at the time? That that kind of stuff. Because I have a very associative memory, so I always remember what I'm doing around the time I'm playing certain games. And I like hearing other people's stories. So I was pretty pumped because I had just finished my master's, my master's thesis, turned it in, knew I was going to have like eight to ten weeks before I heard back on anything but it was right at the end of august early september like 
I'm done. This has taken me two years. Boom, turned it in. And like it was my reward. Like, yay, Dragon Quest. Um, been waiting like 10 years since Dragon Quest Nine came out almost by this time. Uh, and I would play it in bed at night for hours because, uh, let's say my kids were two and five at the time. So when I got home from work, it was like always just be with them, play with them, get them to bed. And then daddy could have fun. I could actually play games at night. Um, it's kind of how it still is, but, (laughs) um, at least on the weekend nowadays, they could be playing their games or doing whatever and I can do my stuff. Uh, I'm not wiping bottoms and picking up drool anymore. But, um, yeah, the kids would sometimes watch me play. They'd love the hammer thing. Um, but for the most part, it was me playing in bed. And, like, I'd be like, okay, man, I was just last month and the two months before writing my master thesis all summer. I stayed up to 2 a.m. I can stay at a two, up, up to 2 a.m. playing this game. And I'd be fast asleep, like, at 11 o'clock or midnight, wake up at 3 a.m. and notice that the TV's, like, still slightly glowing from uh, the PS4 being in sleep mode. So I'm, I'm sure my uh, first save file has many hours of me just falling asleep while battling. Uh, been there, done that. And uh, a year later with the the uh, 11S, it came out right as uh, I started up the Slime Time podcast. And I swear most of my time playing it, like, I feel like I was doing Slime Time podcasts or whatever and just playing the 2D mode and mainly just grinding on the casino forever. Um, but yeah, I crapped out at about 25 hours into that because I was like, oh man, I, I put 100 plus easily into all three acts just like 11 months ago i i I can't i can't bring myself to play that long again (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile at the end of the uh having done this podcast i kind of want to just play the game again (laughs) i don't have time for that but i want to (laughs) nope i get you um david did you have any memories uh not off the top like for for me it was like a long procession of i I just need to keep waiting for the uh, the switch version to come out because then i will have a version that i will have time to actually play i had a bit of spare time it became an all-consuming uh like time sink for me and also uh dragon quest 11 introduced my new favorite dragon quest enemy so well it didn't introduce it introduced it in english for anyone who's ever listened to Q&A Quest, I'm still just wild about the Sham Hat Witch, and I needed to shout it out at some point during this podcast. Oh, I totally saw that somewhere while we were talking and meant to bring it up. Best yes, new I... Dragon Quest enemy in years. Oh, definitely. <laughs> a little boar wearing a giant wizard's hat. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to cheat a little bit because mine isn't directly related to the game itself, but is related to dragon quest a dragon quest thing because when, when i was in japan in 2019 of course i had to go to the squeenix store uh, this wasn't the famous one that had the sephiroth on the floor though i think that one shut down so this was like in a huge circular building like out in the middle of nowhere in shinjuku it, it's very weird to get to and, of course, I walk in, and I'm just gobsmacked with all of the Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy stuff. And, of course, everything is absurdly overpriced because, you know, it's the Squeenix store. And I, I see a little bit of plushies, and, you know, there's, like, all kinds of slimes and uh, moogles and chocobos and stuff. And I, I start digging through the uh, dig, digging through the plushies, 
And I find the a plush version of the fish that the hero turns into. And I'm like, oh my god, this is the cutest thing ever. This is the plush that I'm totally buying. And I think it was like the last one in the store because I don't remember seeing any more. <laughs> and th- th- this plush is my favorite thing now. And I will never get rid of this plush. And I, I take a picture of it and put it in the uh, <laughs> Discord channel. And isn't that just the cutest thing? It is. I'm yeah. sorry. His little belt. Yes, his little belt and his little pouch, and he's just got that cute little face. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, podcast listeners. I, I know it's an audio format, and I'm describing something, but just look, look it up. Look, I, I'm pretty sure you can find it on Google. But I love this little fish plush. It is just the most adorable thing, and yeah, looks like a ninja. Uh, yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. It's got a little and gold I, bandana. Yeah, he's so cute. And, you know, plus I think also when I was going to Japan that at that time was when the um, Japanese version of the Switch version came out. So there was a lot of Dragon Quest stuff around anyway. And there was I also went into a 7-Eleven that was all done up in Dragon Quest stuff and, you know, grabbed an armload of stuff and brought it up to the counter to pay for. And this this. Japanese clerk is at that's running the Seven Eleven is just looking at me like I'm an idiot and oh, fun times. That's when I also learned the never buy T-shirts in Japan because a Japanese large is not the same as an American large. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pascal, I think you were last. Yep, I'll go last. Okay. Um. So, so my association with Dragon Quest Eleven uh, will be. Um, due to like the nature of the timing of how everything went down, it's not, um, well, so it is a, it is, it's a somber association. Um, anybody who has been, uh, visiting the site for like anything like two or three or four years or longer will probably remember our last editor, uh, Mac or Mac Storm. Um, so this was uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. So he was um, one of, if not at that time, maybe the biggest Dragon Quest fan we had on staff. He was definitely one of the biggest ones. And I know when Dragon Quest Eleven was coming out, um, this this would have most likely been a game he reviewed. But uh, at the time, like right right when the uh, review copy was becoming available, um, he was unable to review the game himself uh, because he was uh, well, he had or he was or he had uh, fallen ill. And um, so he passed the uh, the review on to me, and I remember chatting with him as I was getting into uh, playing the game a couple of times, and just like how excited he was to you know be able to play the game once he was uh, feeling I guess up to it. Um, and then I, I I don't remember if I finished the game um, or if I was still like in the process of playing it. But uh, it wasn't. It wasn't long after. A couple of days, or uh, who knows, a week or a week and a half later, um, he did unfortunately pass away. And um, so, so, it, and this is not, you know, it's it's not a uh, uh, it's not a bad connotation. So I'll I'll I won't be able to think about Dragon Quest without remembering uh, Mac for it. But it's you know it's with a it's with an excellent game. So it it does have a lot of uh, positivity around it. it. You know it's it's. It's too bad um, that he did not get to uh, enjoy the game because I know he was definitely looking forward to it. And as good of a game as it is, that would have been great. Um, but a, a, a strong game to uh, to remember him by, I think. So that's my connotation with that. 
I mean, I, I think it's a it's awesome that you at least got to enjoy it for him. You know. Yeah, I guess you could think of it that way. And yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's just awkward. It's it's, it's kind of sad, but. So- somber was the right word to think about that. Yeah, somber association. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that is it for the roundtable, unless anybody had anything else they wanted to point out. Everyone, go look up what the sham hat witch looks like. That's it. Sham, sham hat witch. It's very important. Or its recolored versions: the ham shamwitch, or the hat hamwitch. Uh, okay, that is adorable. So good, I love it. Somebody drew, like, a really weird version of it, though. Hmm. My perler bead one of it is one of my favorite ones, because this is one that, Kelly, I know we had talked just recently, like, oh, where do you get your perler bead ideas? And I'm like, I just look up sprites and copy them. But uh, <laughs> being a Dragon Quest Eleven full 3D kind of thing, there's, the, I, I think there's enemy sprites from the 2D, but they're gigantic. Um mm-hmm of high def graphics so actually making one that shrunk down enough to fit on a perler bead pegboard that that was one of my favorite things i've been able to do that wasn't just a uh, copy paste i remember you sending yeah, me a discord i did just like is there any uh place where all the yakuza 7 characters are in sprite the way that they are in the loading screen you know what's hilarious is i actually have that image because I did, I did get that image from someone. It is sitting. I'm looking at it on my computer right now. I because I've made about three or four of them. Because I never did finish that game. You gotta shamefully so. I know. Yeah, I think I got 15 hours in, and something else came out, and I was like, ooh, shiny. Yeah, yep. you'd be a, you'd be amazed how it, that if there's a sprite of it, somebody has taken it and put it on a sheet. Yeah, for the Yakuza, it was part of the loading screen. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. them walking around on the loading screen, and I was like, wait a minute. Every time I get like a new Dragon character, Quest, another one pops up. And yeah, Dragon Quest, you always get the little slime doing something, whether it's a slime just hopping or a slime in a wheel or a slime uh i think one of my favorite games i can't remember which one it is it's got it's got a slime uh, like a time sander oh timer. yeah i remember and maybe that. one oh, of the uh, hero uh, games hourglass. or something yeah the hourglass that's it uh, yeah but that's not dragon quest <laughs> well i think we're about ready to put this one to bed because we've been going for quite a while now and it's almost bedtime for some of us um th- thank you david for hopping on thank you pascal right. for hopping on this was kind of a show that was put together at the last minute because of an emergency but yeah i i could talk about dragon dragon quest all night and i'm sure matt and everybody else could too yes kelly kelly was like oh we need to switch and you know me being me was like dragon quest dragon quest dragon quest yeah because i I was originally gonna do gonna switch it with alliance alive and there was like no enthusiasm for it i didn't a game i really enjoyed screw it much more than pascal <laughs> but you'll hear that, that someday be, that's in the any game <laughs> that's every game i was gonna say every game that we cover on backtrack i can't wait we, we gotta like kelly you gotta ask for next year you gotta tell pascal like hey man what's your favorite game from the last two to five years and we're gonna do a backtrack on it yeah that that'll be your homework for the year pascal <laughs> okay so what you're saying is i have to go back like it takes me going back five years to find a game that is like that i liked enough to be to be deemed acceptable for what you're no, doing no no i'm just saying yeah, two to five years something that's not too old <laughs> so that you okay. remember it <laughs> 
but it's got to be two years because that's what we try to we try to wait two years yeah. before we cover these games. We've, we've done this one. We've done we've already done Horizon Zero, Don. That would have been another one. All right. Well, you, you've got a whole year to think about it. All right. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. Yeah, I've, and I've, there's no shortage of stuff on the uh, list to cover. And since the reboot, I'm pretty much putting everything on the table that hasn't been covered before, or rather, stuff that we've covered before. So, um, any, anything and everything at that point. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we'll have another Muso episode coming up pretty soon. Stick around. Yeah. Hey, as long as it's six hours long and involve <laughs> uh, me having to deal with family drama in the middle of it and an earthquake. And no, wait, that was Mike. Mike was the earthquake. Mike had the earthquake. Lots of things happened during those times. Pandemic <laughs> broke out. <laughs> we, <sighs> we can't say that it's all because of that episode, yeah. but we cannot empirically prove that it's not because of that episode. I was about to suggest maybe stop doing Musu episodes. It's just, it's not working out. Well, hey, we use our powers for good sometimes, too, because we summoned the Tokyo Mirage Sessions game and uh, remake into existence, too. You know, there's got to be that cosmic balance. So I I also want to take credit for getting Nino Kuni 2 on the Switch. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed that that actually you uh, before it gets announced tomorrow. <laughs> If we do Nino Nino Kuni 1, I might like it more than others. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, screw that battle system. Wait, have we Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in on that battle have system. We, have we have we got three shits in this episode yet? Because that battle system was shit. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no my no, review of the Switch version. Fuck that battle system. Oh that battle system was the shit. Oh man. You know, uh, now I just want to do Nino Kitty, even though I think that one was done somewhat recent. No, actually, that was a couple years oh, ago. Oh, it was a long time ago. That was pre me being on the the site. I, so. I do believe so. Yeah, like I remember listening to that episode three years ago, and then it was like three or four years old. Yeah, we had a uh, David, your uh, partner in crime, Mr. Michael, was uh, all about the DS version on that episode. Yeah, yeah. I will put it on the short list because I want to watch this fight play out. Fight, 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 fight. Well, you it'll know. play out in real time, and I really won't have any control about what I'm about to say. <laughs> much like that battle system where I did not have much control about what was going on. Okay, I might agree with you a little bit. Because <laughs> um. <laughs> now I'm sitting here reflecting, and I can't really muster up a very good defense. <laughs> Um, I, I I really do enjoy that game. I I, I did that. So that was the biggest. See negative. now you sound like me. So, you no. always I always have to qualify. I actually like that game. I feel like I'm saying that every episode I'm on. Yeah, there was that one an unfortunately big nagging thing: the battle system. But see, I game. like cute I like that game, and I like the battle system. But man, it needed to cut off like where the DS version ended, and not where it did cut off because that last third was ta- felt so tacked on and then i learned that it was <laughs> there's a reason why it feels that way but i have you, to get going so every every instinct was correct all right and with that we'll bring this to a close i think all of our instincts have been correct tonight in saying that dragon quest 11 is an excellent game that if you haven't tried it uh maybe you should i mean i don't want to speak for all of rp gamer but we kind of did give this game of the year and <clears throat> game of the decade. So, I mean, uh, it's very good. And it's not even that expensive no more. 
How that, can you go wrong? Right. And if it's hey, on, if you got Game Pass, there you there go. You go. Price is yeah, even this, writer. This this came out the year of I think that was a year of Persona Five. Um, was it no. also? No, I'm thinking of. It didn't sorry. Be Persona Five. Not in America. A uh, different Not year. There. Okay, never mind. But uh, yes, I have no I have no real words of wisdom except for there are it's out on pretty much everything these days. So if you haven't had a chance to play it, we've already ruined every single part about it except for the enjoyment that uh, you can get from playing it. So playing it will be much better than listening to us talk about how good it was to play it. Yep. <laughs> Correct. Enjoy it yourself, everyone. Have a great night. Bye bye. See ya, Space Cowboys.